My journey as a Superman fan started with a tattered red cape blowing in the wind. That ending rocketed me forward like a red-blue blur through a decade-long origin story and poignant tales of self-discovery and fatherhood and backwards to the character's very beginnings. Now, on this podcast, we journey together across time and media to examine the stories that have defined the Man of Steel. Welcome to Digging for Kryptonite, a Superman fan journey. I'm your host, Anthony Desiato. Joining me to discuss Season 1 of the CW television series Superman and Lois is returning guest, comic book artist V. Ken Marion. Welcome back. Thanks for having me back, dude. I'm so excited for this. So excited to talk about Superman and Lois. The last time you were on the show, we had an epic discussion of the underrated 90s Steel movie starring basketball legend Shaquille O'Neal. Hell yeah. During that episode, and I'm on the record as saying this, I predicted, because at that point you had not yet finished watching the first season of Superman and Lois, and I predicted during that discussion that when you finished, I was going to get a text from you saying, hey, we got to do an episode on Superman and Lois. And sure enough, I got just that text not too long ago. Yep, yep, totally, totally. I... I feel like I knew the steel reveal was coming in the show because you had texted me some stuff. And then I just saw on Instagram too, like comments, like on random people's like on like a DC, you know, thing about like steel being in Superman Lois. So like, I kind of put the, the thread together as to who it was, it was going to be, but it was still a cool reveal when it happened. Well, it was so funny because as you and regular listeners know, I did a mini episode on the Superman and Lois trailer a full episode on the pilot. And then you and I did another mini episode on the second episode of Superman and Lois. But that was it on digging for kryptonite as far as dedicated coverage. Yet it would often come up in conversation because I I and many of the guests were watching it, you know, as we were recording episodes last year. And every time that happened, I was always really quick to avoid spoiling anything for, you know, for anyone who hadn't caught up. But for you specifically, because <laughs> I knew you hadn't finished and I know you listened to the show and I was like, I don't want to spoil it for this guy. So it was, it was for everyone's benefit, but specifically for you. So I'm so like, so excited that you and I can now finally talk about this. Oh dude, thank you so much. <laughs> I appreciate that. I really appreciate that. Thank you. Uh, yeah, man. I'm pumped about this. Like it was, it was, I think it's safe to say my favorite superhero TV show right now. I mean, like I think it's way better than Flash and Arrow and all that. I mean, I think Smallville, like the nostalgia factor for Smallville, will still be my number one. But uh, this is the show's really, really good, and like it, it pockets in with Smallville really nicely. I feel like we talked about that before. Where I think if you liked Smallville, this feels like like those same characters twenty years later, even though it's not canonically. But like it feels like it, there's like an emotional and tonal like like through line between them, which is really cool. I agree a thousand percent. And that's, you know, I have a few, I guess, sort of, you know, global takes on the show, you know, big picture, uh, you know, perspectives on it. And that's one of them. And I, so I'm with you a hundred percent. Yes. It's not literally strictly a sequel to Smallville, but spiritually it, it very mm-hmm. much fits in. And it's not just Smallville. I mean, the beautiful thing I think about the show is that it really, minds and respects, you know, and honors, I think, most of the Superman mythology that's come before, where 
you know, one of the episodes, you know, deep in, in the first season of Superman and Lois gives us a flashback to how Lois and Clark met and fell in love and all of that. And it's like, you know, you only get a few scenes of it. They're, they're amazing scenes. But it's like, as someone who grew up watching Lois and Clark, The New Adventures of Superman, you know, you can kind of like slot that in, in your head, mm-hmm. right? And kind of totally. fill in some of the gaps there. So there's so many instances like that where, again, right, it's not strictly in canon with these other things, but spiritually, like they really all feel of a piece. It, it does such a yeah. great job of like weaving in so many different elements from what's come before. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And like, to me, I've thought a lot about this because mainly because of like all the podcasts we've done together, you know, and I think some of your longtime listeners may think that like, I like dark stuff, which is, which isn't true at all. I actually don't like dark stuff. Like I I don't like when subject matter and stories are like dark. What I like is earnestness and seriousness and like taking the subject matter seriously. Right. So like that just happens to co-align with the Snyderverse, which has like a darker tone. Right. But like the thing that I like about the Snyder stuff, isn't the darkness. It's the fact that like he takes it seriously, you know, and this show and similar to Smallville, Smallville took itself very seriously. Like it wasn't like, it didn't like, it never like winked at the camera and said like, Hey, this is all kind of goofy. Right. It's superhero. Like it didn't do that, which is what kind of what arrow and small and um, flash and, and those other CW shows kind of do, they kind of ride that line a little bit where this show goes back to that earnest take on like, we're just going to try to take this seriously, you know? And like, and, and not about being beholden to reality, but believability, if that makes sense. It's, it's this fine line for me where with stuff that like things can either get like too dark or like they get too goofy, you know, where like there's like this this middle like through line where with balancing it, where like it just hits that sweet spot, and the show does it so perfectly. Yeah, I'm I'm with you, and I guess I can kind of piggyback off of that um, and, and share another take that I had because this was something that, not that it never dawned on me, but it really crystallized as I was rewatching the first season, and that is. In any, I mean, any story, any comic book story, but specifically any Superman story, there's always going to be, I mean, well, any story needs to have tension, right? And that can come in a number of forms. And when you're talking about Superman stories, there's always going to be some external tension. There's always going to be some villain he's up against, some plot, right? And some will Mm -hmm. be better than others. Some will be more interesting and compelling than others. It's always going to be a mixed bag. But for me, the stories that I enjoy the most are the ones where there's that internal tension as well, something that he's wrestling with. And again, the Smallville TV show gave us that for, for 10 years, but I think that's in large part why I enjoyed that show so much, because he was trying to reconcile mm. his heritage and his upbringing and figure out where he's going. And, you know, there were some lame, you know, meteor freak episodes and, and all sorts of stuff over the 10 years, but that core was always there, and I always enjoyed that. And the exact same thing with the Snyder movies. You know, the, the guy trying to figure out his place in the world. Mm-hmm. I found that so relatable. And on this show, this idea of a family man trying to balance his responsibility to the world with his responsibility to his family, it felt so real, so relatable. And, you know, down the line a little bit, you and I are going to do an episode on the the Richard Donner Superman uh, movies, the first movie in particular. And I'll save this for, for, you know, mostly for when we get there, but I'll just say that I think one of the issues that I've always had, as much as I love and respect and admire the Donner Superman vision, I truly do, and I appreciate everything that it accomplished for the character, but I think one of the things that's always made it a little bit hard for me to fully, like, fully get into it is I don't see as much of that internal struggle 
for the character in most of the movie. And so mm. watching Superman and Lois, and I was like, just, why do I love this so much? And it's just, I think really having that, that tension. And look, as a young father myself, like that, seeing that family man struggle, like it, it really hit home. So I yeah. really, I can't say, <laughs> like, I can't say enough good things about the show. And I'll, I'll also say this real quick. Yeah, as you know, I watched it week to week when it was airing last year. And my wife and I watched it the next day on the CW app because they had the extended Mm -hmm. cuts of episodes. Um, So we actually didn't watch it the night it aired, but we would always watch it the next day. But there were so many interruptions. Uh, I I think there were a lot of disruptions in the filming because of COVID. And then that Mm -hmm. had an impact on when the episodes aired. So they would do two episodes and then have a break and then do three episodes and a break. It was so choppy, but I still enjoyed it. But now, you know, over the past couple of weeks to, to sit down and watch it straight through on HBO Max, 15 in a row, no commercials. What a rich and rewarding viewing experience. Is that, yeah. I take it that's how you watched it as well? Yeah, HBO. I mean, I watched the first five on the CW app. And, um, but I had to do it on my computer and I hate watching stuff on my computer now because like I want to watch on my TV. And after the first five, they came on, that's when the break happened and they went on to HBO max. And I, w- I told Laura, I was like, you should really watch this with me. Like, this is like a really good show. And she's like, really? Cause she got burned out in the CW stuff. And she's like, she's, she's kind of superheroed out. Like, you know, we watch all these movies and stuff. She's like, oh, I don't know. I want to watch them. Like, no, seriously. Like it's really good. So then when it, then it left HBO max and came back on, I'm like, I'm like, I think steel's in this. We should really watch it. Like, and, and so we start from the beginning and watch it straight through. And after like the second episode, she was like, this is a really good show. Like we got, we definitely got to keep watching this. Like, um, I want to say, isn't it serendipitous that like when we were in high school, there was a show about Superman in high school. And now that we're like adults in our thirties, this show about Superman as an adult. I mean, obviously his kids are older than, than your son and I don't have kids yet, but like, it's still like, it's in that same age range. That's like, you know, it's, it's, it's funny how that works out. You know, it, it serendipity is, is the perfect word. And you know, it's, and that doesn't happen with everything, right? And the Smallville and Superman and Lois hit both of us at exactly the right points. You know, mm-hmm. I think it's fair to say for both of us as well, you know, Lois and Clark, the new adventures of Superman came <laughs> yeah, years, we were like five. years <laughs> too early, right? But, you know, uh, by the time people hear this, you know, I'll, I'll be doing on my Patreon channel uh, a rewatch podcast with my wife as we watch. And it's like, I anticipate that I'm going to get something very different and so much more yeah. out of it now as a married man, like watching the show that was so focused on the romantic tension and the relationship. And so like, that's again, one been one of the best things about doing this podcast and just exploring the Superman mythology in general is that there's so much. And there are things that, you know, might have hit one way the first time you experienced at a certain point in time. And now you can come back to it with fresh eyes. You get something completely different out of it. It's like, I'm sure when my son who's two now, when he, you know, hits his teen years, if I go back and I rewatch Superman and Lois, or if it's still on, who knows? <laughs> but, yeah. uh, you know, it's like, I'm sure, because, you know, parenting a toddler versus parenting a teenager are like, very different. So yeah. it's like, yeah, I'm sure I would get something different out of it then. And that's, it's, it's a really special thing to, I think, right, to be able to go back to these comics mm-hmm. or movies or TV shows and you find something new each time. It's, it's really cool. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, like it's funny when you brought up uh, Lois and Clark. Like I remember when I was a kid, because we were like five when that came out, five or six. And at the time, I remember thinking, like, why is he only Superman for like five minutes? Because he only like he would be Superman at the end of the show for like five minutes. 
and then like I rewatched that whole series. I don't know, back in like twenty like fourteen or something, when I had a, was recovering from a shoulder injury, and like I was like, this is a pretty good show. Like it was like emotionally gripping and stuff. It ends really weird. Just heads up, like it it ends like abruptly and gets kind of like goofy at the end. But like the first two seasons are pretty solid. Oh, I remember. I mean, I, you know, I watched it as a kid, at least some of it when it was first airing. But like you said, I mean, I was so little. But then year, a few years later, when I was in probably towards the end of elementary school, it was airing in reruns on TNT. And at mm. that point, I rewatched basically the entire series. So it's, you know, I wouldn't say it's fresh in my mind, but the broad strokes are. Uh, but I'm, yeah. I'm excited to get into that. And, and of course, watching Superman and Lois, you know, of course, calls mm. the Lois and Clark show to mind. And even in the pilot, in that opening montage, when we see Superman fly Lois up, you know, through the clouds, mm -hmm. it's, you know, very, very evocative of, of that, that moment from Lois and Clark. So, you know, you yeah. see a lot of things uh, like that. Now, when you texted me, you said you had a lot of thoughts. And yeah. as do I, but man, I want to, I just want to throw this to you first. Where would you like to begin as we talk about the first season well, oh. of Superman and Lois? Okay. Well, before I forget about this, let's, let's start with Superman himself with uh, Tyler Hecklin. Like he's friggin' awesome as Superman. And I think he, I mean, Christopher Reeve is my favorite. He'll always be my favorite as Superman and Tom Welling will always be my favorite Clark Kent. But I think Tyler Hecklin might be my favorite, like total of the two of them together because I, like, okay. So you know that like the, the, the duality of Clark Kent and Superman, like the idea that Superman, like in the Reeve, I think we texted about this, but I, I thought this was genius. How they did this in the show is that when they, in, in the, in the Christopher Reeve movies, Clark puts on the glasses as a disguise and starts like bumbling around and like knocking stuff over. Right. And then in like the Dean Kane and the Henry Cavill versions, there's not that much of a difference. Just like the glasses kind of thing. But, like, the idea of Clark being, like, this, like, kind of dorky, goofy guy and Superman being, like, stoic, like, altruistic, like, superhero, I, like, it were, like, he puts on the disguise to be, like, this goofy guy. I love how in this show the take is Clark is genuinely who he is, a dorky, goofy dude. And when he becomes Superman, he pretends to be stoic and cool. Like, I thought that was such a good way to do it because, like, it's, like, that makes him so much more relatable and likable too. Like it makes him feel like all of us, you know, like, like dorks, you know, we all feel like dorks and like the way that he portrays it, he's like doing funny dad jokes and like, just like he's got so much more like emotional delivery. Like there was this one scene where something happens with like, like Lois and Clark are in their kitchen and they're like scolding their kids for like getting in trouble for something like driving a truck or so they did something that really got in trouble and they're like, suddenly kiss the room and then Lois turns to him and goes, well, on other news, I got attacked by a Kryptonian. And then Clark goes like, oh, are you kidding me? Like, yeah, this like, oh, like, and it was just like, oh my God. It's like, I've never seen like a Superman take like that where like, and, and just like, it was stuff like that peppered out at the show where I'm like, he seems like a real person, like, like this, but not like, like, like he seems like a real guy who's like kind of dorky. And then when he becomes Superman, he like pretends to be like, so I'm Superman, you know? And like, I think that's like a, a very smart take on it. I am so with you on this and when you texted me that about how the dorkiness is genuine and it's the persona that he puts on as superman i was like yeah i mean that that is completely right and the scene you you pointed out is is a perfect example the uh, the one that really jumped out to me is the harvest festival episode where he's with the family out in the field and he's like describing all the stuff that they have and yeah. he's like oh they've like like chocolate covered uh oh wait what well, bacon, bacon right 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like chocolate covered bacon. And he's genuinely excited. Psyched. He's psyched. Yeah. And then when he cuts to the Harvest Fest and he like eats, he's like, it's like oh, so good. <laughs> like, he's like, it's like, it's it, this kind of like, this goofy kind of like, like affectation they had, I thought worked so well for it, you know? <laughs> yeah, it was, it really was perfect. And, you know, again, we're, we mentioned Lois and Clark, the new adventures of Superman and, you know, like I said, as of this recording, I haven't started the rewatch yet, but I, by the time people hear this, I, I will have. But, you know, my memory of it is they really leaned into, you know, Clark as really a regular guy. And I mm-hmm. wonder, and my view might change once I start rewatching it, but then my memory of it is, you know, maybe as much as I like a, a human relatable Clark, there is this otherworldly aspect to him. And I feel mm-hmm. like in Lois and Clark, it might have might have leaned a little bit too much into like he's just like a regular guy who you know hangs out and plays basketball. But I feel like yeah. I feel like this show strikes a beautiful balance. And certainly, as far as the the Clark portions, uh, yeah, he is a real person. I mean, look, you and I love Smallville endlessly, mm-hmm. and I love Tom Welling as Clark, and I love his his perf- But you know, his was a his was a pretty like stoic Clark, especially as the series went on. Well, his was like the opposite. His was actually like averse to being dorky. He was like comic books. You read comic books like like he, he would always make these like comments like that. Like it was like almost the polar opposite of of what of what Tyler Hecklin's like. You imagine Tyler Hecklin's version of Superman having tons of comic books and just like eating like ice cream and like watching cartoons. You know, like it's just like like that version of I just think is it's it's very uh, like it's modern, but like it it does that thing so well where it makes it modern and real and believable, but harkens to the classic like imagery of what we think of as Superman. Right. So like the idea of like the, the dorky Clark Kent and the, the stoic Superman, but like doing it in like a, a modern relatable way, you know? Yeah. No, and I think I, well, I, well, I was gonna say, I think it is so relatable because I mentioned before, like every, every, like all of us, like we feel like dorks. Right. And so like when we go out in the world, we try to like put on this persona of being like, cooler than we are you know so like i, I think it, it hits on so many levels and i think it was i i don't, honestly don't even know if they were conscious of doing it i think like, it's just really well done you know it yeah it works i mean it works so beautifully i mean I, the, another scene that comes to mind is when he takes the, the the volunteer job as the assistant coach and you know he's, he's coming out with the jacket and hat and he's so excited about yeah. it and it's like yeah no i really think he is excited about the jacket and the hat yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Do I do I love that in that same episode he's like carrying the water, right? I I thought this was gr- this this interaction was so great. He's like carrying like this heavy jug of water and he's like really struggling with it and his one son Jordan is talking to Sarah the one of the girls in the school and like Sarah turns and goes, "I think your dad needs help." And he's like, "Yeah, okay." And then like and Clark like comes he's like, "Oh, oh," and he drops he's like, "Hey, Sarah." And like and they have this little interaction. She walks away and then his son's like okay, now pretend you need my help carrying this. Like his, like his son was like that, that like interaction. That was so funny. Like that line of dialogue from his kid be like, okay, now pretend you need my help with this. You know, like it's yeah. good. It's that's the, I mean, that was one of the things that I enjoyed the first time, but especially rewatching it, it just, he really does feel like a person, like a, like mm-hmm. a fully formed, you know, fully rounded person in a way that you, don't often see. I mean, I, I really don't think we've ever gotten a version quite like this. And, no, and not, not at all. No. Yeah, and it's like I, I appreciated it so much. Um, and I'll also say, uh, again, as the artist, you know, we always talk about the 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 visuals. I really like the scruff. It's not too much, but it's there. Okay, I like, so I like th- the scruff. That, 
That, that's the one thing that bothers me because every time he's in the Superman suit, I'm like, as Clark, I don't mind it, but in the Superman suit, like Laura and I were always like, he kind of needs to shave, doesn't he? Like, because like in the suit, it looks it was bothersome to me a little bit, but like as Clark Kent, like I, I had no problem with it. Mm. I actually think that would have been a nice because because I think he looks no different at all between being Clark and Superman. Like it's like the fact that like Lana doesn't know it is like astoundingly like weird, but like. That might have been a nice visual thing, like if when Superman just magically super clean shaven and then as Clark Kent, he's not because like they don't change his hair, they don't change anything. He just like is straight up the same guy. So it's like like when they sh- when Superman's on TV and on the football squad is all watching TV, like none of them are like, dude, is your dad Superman? <laughs> like you know, it's like is Coach Superman? Like <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. I you know I and I said this when when we talked about Superman and Lois before, so I won't I won't belabor the point because I have addressed this, but I just you know, in terms of Tyler Hecklin and and Bitsy Tulloch as 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 Lois, and just this incarnation of Superman generally, you know, when they appeared in their original incarnations in the Arrowverse before Crisis on Infinite Earths as supporting characters on Supergirl, was not that taken honestly with with either one of them. You know, and in retrospect, mm-hmm. I think that you know, they served a different function on those shows. I mean, they were truly supporting characters and especially that, that version of Clark and Superman. I mean, he was, he was not, he was there to not overshadow Supergirl. Right. And I think with that in mind, what they did was fine, you know, but it didn't necessarily make me excited for this show. And on top of that, like yourself, I mean, I really had gotten so burnt out on the Arrowverse. I mean, right now, this is the only show that I'm watching. And honestly, I don't, consider it part of the Arrowverse. And and I say that mm-hmm. as a huge compliment. I mean, with the exception of that random yeah. John Diggle cameo towards the end of the season, <laughs> it's like, it, it's act- completely on its own, which I love. I was actually going to bring that up because I was, I love John Diggle as a character. I kind of wish they didn't do that because I think it would have been cool if they brought in those heroes like like arrow or flash or whoever but they were different actors like i mean like like a completely different universe and have like a different take like i I thought it'd be so cool to bring in like the flash but he's like a completely different flash and like and like you could just do like a like a whole new grounded serious take that like fits in with the show like i kind of wish they did that who knows maybe they still will but um yeah but the the diggle thing it, it kind of reminded me like oh yeah this is part of the thing that like I don't really like that much. Even though I like John Diggle so much as a character, just the tone of those other shows is like, yeah. Yeah. No, that's the thing. I mean, the there's, and we know what's kind of crazy though is uh, Todd Helbing, the, the showrunner of Superman and Lois, was previously the showrunner of Flash. And there's a lot of people who have worked really? on both shows. So it's not like, oh, it's a completely different, you know, pool of creators working on this. It's oh, a lot wow. of the same I, people. I didn't, I didn't know that. Wow. But there's such a level of sophistication um, to the, from the way the show is shot and presented to the, mm-hmm. the quality of storytelling and really a focus on the, the human side and the people uh, that you just, you do not get in the other Arrowverse yeah. shows. I mean, they all, of, I think the, I mean, that's really its own, its own conversation that I don't think I would, I would ever do a podcast on because I don't, I, I, it wouldn't be enjoyable, yeah. but I think that, you know, one of the things that really, really kind of turned me off to the Arrowverse shows is virtually all of them you know became these superhero teams right like squad each, yeah. yeah the squad right and i just felt like it lost it lost the human element and mm-hmm. you know what i love so much about this on superman and lois i love seeing the kids at the diner i love mm-hmm. the 
the marital issues between the Cushings. Like I love, uh, you know, uh, Chrissy Beppo trying to keep the, the Smallville Gazette afloat. It's like, I love all that stuff. And I just feel like they struck a wonderful balance between that and, you know, uh, Superman's long lost brother from Krypton trying to, you know, take over the world. Like you still have that. Yeah. Uh, but I feel like they've done such a great job. I mean, you know, Miles, Miles, I mean, I hate to say it, but like Miles better than anything else on the Arrowverse. So oh, I, totally. I really, really, really hope that it stays in its own pocket. I mean, had it not yeah. been for COVID, the original plan was for there to be a crossover last season between Superman and Lois and Batwoman. And See, it, like that, that, that would have, that would have ruined the show. Cause yeah. it's like, it's like those other CW shows have this, this tone where, I mean, granted, I haven't watched Batwoman, so I don't know if this is part of Batwoman or not, but all those other CW shows have like the command center with the calm in their ear. And there's like a, a character who makes quippy pop culture references. And like they pay, they always do these like camera reveals where like the hero turns and like the camera zooms in and they're like, huh now I made it or something like some corny line. Like, like they just have this formula that doesn't, that I personally don't vibe with anymore. Um, and I, and I, I don't think it vibes with what has been presented in Superman and Lois. So I, I really hope they do just keep it its own thing and like, not like spread it too thin and go crossover heavy, you know, like, like, I really don't want to see green arrow, like Stephen Amell in this. I, I don't want to see like, you know, like Grant Gustin in it or, or Batwoman or, or any of them just because like, I just think it just doesn't like match, you know, it'd be like trying to like ram like a, a totally different thing into it, you know? I, so like I, mo I 98% agree with that. I, I will say this. I feel like, so I definitely don't ever need a crossover, like a full on crossover where it's like part one in Superman and Lois and part two on Flash. Don't, don't need that. Don't want that. Yeah. It would be interesting to me, I guess, to see Melissa Benoist's Supergirl, her Kara, more specifically. I don't need, I don't need her as Supergirl, and to see Grant Gustin's Barry kind of like through the lens of Superman and Lois to kind of, you know, obviously it would still be in continuity and everything, but to sort of take like mm -hmm. that more grounded, more human uh, approach to the character and see them in interact with Clark like in that capacity. I wouldn't mind yeah. that, but I don't know that I, you know. I would agree with you if they use different actors, okay. like because no, and I only say this because like those like Melissa Benoist and Grant Gustin have been doing it for so long that I feel like it wouldn't be going through the lens of Superman and Lois. It would be taking the flavor of those shows and putting it in. Like I would love to see Supergirl on this show, but like I would want a new Supergirl, and I would love to see Flash, but I would want a new Flash. You know, like. It, also, because like in those shows, like Superman didn't exist, so it was like, I know it's the crisis thing that like meshed them all together, but like I feel like that's a good excuse to just make a clean break, you know. And I don't know, this is this is just my my own nerdiness coming out here. No, I get it, and you know, and not to nitpick or get too nerdy about this, but plot wise, I, I think you know when you see how this first season of Superman and Lois unfolded, I mean there were a couple of really critical moments where if this show existed in the same universe as Supergirl, Kara would have come in real handy. You know, it's like yeah. when Tal Ro takes him and they can't find Clark anywhere. It's like, gee, if only right. there were a cousin they could call. So it's like, I just, but it, like, that's the thing. 
in you know there was a little part of me that's like well technically it's part of the arrowverse why don't they have a, a you know any kind of mention but it's like it works perfectly fine on its own and i just i really hope it stays that way i mean on the bright side supergirl's already ended flash i really feel like is on its last leg so i don't know how yeah. many other like how many how much longer there will even be these other arrowverse shows to potentially cross over with so my hope is that this yeah. can really just stay its own thing because it's it's something special it really really mm-hmm. is uh, one, you know, I know I said it's some, you know, big picture, um, you know, impressions of the show. And, and one of them that I really want to make sure I, I, I get out is a lot of times when you watch, I mean, any show, but especially superhero shows, I feel, and, and even going back to our beloved Smallville, you know, sometimes there are characters who, you know, kind of, kind of great on you or you find their motivations or their decisions kind of infuriating, and on this show, and I'm very curious to compare notes, you might feel differently, but I really felt like everyone had a very valid point of view and perspective, and it made it really interesting. Like when Sam Lane is stockpiling kryptonite weapons, you get why a general who's tasked oh, with totally. protecting the public would have that, yet at the same time as from the perspective of the daughter and the son-in-law, you get why they would be upset. Like, you you know, you kind of see both sides of it. And, you know, John Henry, and there's so much we can, we'll talk about with John Henry Irons, yeah. Yeah. you know. Oh, yeah. um, but the, uh, the other big example, and I know you have thoughts on this character, to me, the unsung hero of this first season is Kyle Cushing and his portrayer, Eric <laughs> Valdez. Before I, before I give my piece on it, what, what were your thoughts on, on Kyle? Well, I, I was just going to say, that guy is, he's like, perfectly cast like i feel like i know that dude in like my hometown you know what i mean like (laughs) like everything about him like the way his accent like like just how he dresses how he looks his manners like everything about him is like like he doesn't feel like a like a cw like like you know like stud actor that they try to like like rough up to be like on like like a cw show He, he feels like a real dude from like midwest town you know what i mean and like it's just like and like his whole motivation, like, like he, he wasn't wrong for any of it. Like he was just literally trying to bring jobs back to his town. And like, and then everybody turns on him and it's like, well, you guys didn't know any better. Like, you know what I mean? Like he, from like, you, you're right. Everyone's point of view that they're doing the right thing, you know? And, and I thought that was really interesting. Like he, he wasn't Whitney, right? He wasn't like the shithead that you're like, Oh, kick his ass Clark. Like he wasn't that character at all, you know? So I, yeah, he was a great character. And, you know, this is where I really have to tip my hat to the, to the portrayer and, and to the writers, you know, they, clearly they had a, they had a plan for him, but you know, from the pilot, right. Unless Lana were married to like Pete Ross. And I think it's interesting, right. They could, you know, they could have paired her up with him and there's precedent for that mm-hmm. in the comics, but you know, they went with this original character, right. Mm-hmm. Of, of Kyle Cushing. And, you know, in, you know, from that pilot, he's drinking beers at the funeral and he's giving Lois a hard time in the kitchen about Morgan Edge and you know very early on you you know that there's there's tension in the marriage there and as people who have consumed a lot of Superman content we you know I think we immediately think of Whitney right like a, a romantic partner of mm-hmm. Lana who's not a good fit for her who's not really a great guy so I feel like this guy was starting like at a deficit in as far as the audience yeah. is concerned right and it, it could have been a really like thankless role but I, I just you know, especially on rewatch, it's like, yeah, he really thought he was doing good job. And you know, it's funny. And my wife and I talked about this because 
when they have that town hall meeting, when they're deciding whether or not to give Morgan Edge the, the mining rights, you know, Lois makes this big thing about how you went to this other town and you promised all these jobs and you only generated half of them. And yeah. I remember saying to Steph, I was like, I don't know, like if I were in a small town and we were really hurting and we didn't have half any jobs, half is better than nothing. So it's like from Kyle's yeah. perspective, yeah, I don't know, like it, it definitely tracked like his, and yes, there is that point where, you know, he is disappointed where Lana gets the job instead of him and, you know, initially, but it's like for the most part, like he really, you know, he's got a good job, right? Like he's the the fire chief, like he's okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a heroic job that he's got. He's not like, you know, like, 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 uh. I don't know, like some guy who's like like Ponzi scheming the town or something. You know, it's like he's like he's like a, a solid guy. Like, yeah, is he perfect? No, you know. I mean, he's obviously him and Lana have problems. You know, like, but like he he's not like Whitney shithead. You know what I mean? Like, which they easily could have made him. They could have made him like this like raging drunk that's throwing beer bottles against the wall and everything. Like, I mean, they, they make him a little bit of an alcoholic, but not like he's not like violent. You know, he's not like like smacking people around or anything, which like they easily could have done, you know, that easily could have been the direction they went. So I'm glad they didn't like, he was a, a very well cast as was Sloan. Oh yes. Emmanuel Shriki <laughs> as a, as a Lana. She was great. She, she was one of my favorite parts of the show. So you and I are fellow entourage fans. And of course she played yeah. uh, Sloan ease love interest on that show. And, and uh, I love her on this. I mean, I don't think there is any Superman project in any medium that has done better by the character of Lana Lang than this show. Mm -hmm, totally. And, you know, initially it was a little shaky, right? Because again, in that pilot, you, you know, you, you don't, you know, Kyle does not make the best first impression. He grows on you over the course of the season, <laughs> and, you know, in the, <laughs> yeah. in the, the finale, you know, he runs into the burning building to save, you know, one of the townspeople, these same townspeople who turned on, on the family. So, you know, again, he really shows his heroism, but again, in that pilot, it's like, oh man, like, is this going to be another Whitney situation where Lana's mm -hmm. with someone she really needs to get away from? Um, and I was so thankful that they, they didn't saddle her with that kind of husband. I was so glad that they didn't have her pining for Clark. And I, you know, oh I, yeah, and yeah. I really because that could have been that could have been a thing where like Clark like strays from Lois to like go to Lo like I'm so glad they didn't do that because that would have been like just flying in the face of like everything these characters like stand for. So like <laughs> I'm so glad they didn't do that. Well, listen, when they announced when they announced this show and that it was going to be set in Smallville and Lana Lang was going to be a part of it, that was my fear. I was like, oh. mm -hmm. and look, in fairness to both of us, <laughs> we were conditioned by many years of Smallville <laughs> to mm -hmm. expect that sort of thing. It's like Lana's in the picture. Of course, Clark's going to be hung up on her. So, you know, I was worried and I was, it was so refreshing and I loved, and I, I, we didn't get enough of them. I hope there's more in season two. I love the scenes between Clark and Lana. Like, I love their little banter. They have that little bit that they do where it's like, oh, I met my best friend in Smallville. It's like, oh, that's, nice. you know, like that whole, that whole little shtick that yeah. they do. And it just, it was a genuine friendship. And it, it's the sort of thing that it really, I love Smallville. I feel like I'm saying this a lot. Like I have a lot, like watching this, of course, brought Smallville to mind a lot. And in a lot of instances, mm -hmm. it, I don't want to say it made me think less of Smallville, but it just pointed out some things that I wish Smallville had achieved. And one of them is that I wish Clark and Lana on the Smallville show had gotten to a point of true, genuine friendship. Mm -hmm. right because i think that was something that needed to happen on that show and it really didn't you know it's like when lana leaves because she's radiating kryptonite you know the, their last scene together is clark on the barn floor 
crying out for her as she walks away. And it's like, oh man, like you wanted them to get to a point where it's like they could be friends and part. And then, you know, he, he moves on with Lois. Not that he literally can't be in the same physical space with Lana, but hey, Lois is yeah. there. You know, so like I, it was, I was so refreshing. And the, the final thing I want to say about Lana is this was clearer to me in the rewatch because I, you know, you had them all in a row. In the early episodes, you know, she's very concerned about the perception that the townspeople have of her, right? She doesn't want to go into the therapy, the, the you know, the, the doctor's waiting room where her, her daughter is, is you know, uh, having a therapy session because someone might see her, right? Mm-hmm. She's very concerned about that. And then in one of the final episodes, you know, she tells off the mayor, you know, like in the middle of town. It's like she really, you know, she really has a nice arc over the course of the season. Uh, I, man, I love, I love how they handled her. And I agree. I, she, yeah. she was terrific. Oh, she was so perfectly cast. I like, I, she, uh, that actress, Emmanuel Shriki, does not work enough because she's great. She's beautiful. She's, she's awesome. She's like, she's got, she brings so much emotional weight to it right like even on entourage which is a show that's like a comedy show but she brought like a real like weight and like realism to that relationship on that show so like um yeah and and her her scenes with lois too could they easily could have gone to this thing where they're like frenemy rivals like you know like kind of like undercutting each other but they didn't they, they made them like genuine friends and like it was very refreshing to have a show like that where like there's still tension but everyone still likes each other you know what i mean like it wasn't like the typical show tropes of like, you know, you, you know what I'm talking about. The typical, like, especially CW, like tropes of like creating character conflict. They did it in a very real way. Like it felt very like true and like earnest. Yeah. You know, the episode where Lana and Lois go out drinking together. I'm like, this is, mm-hmm. this is the scene we always needed. It's, it was so good. And I, I'm, you hit the nail on the head that even when there's tension, you know, they're not at each other's throats. Right. So like going back mm-hmm. to Kyle, I think it's the second episode where they have the barbecue, right? And again, there's mm-hmm. tension between, you know, Lois and Kyle. You know, he still gives her a plate of ribs. You know, it's, yeah. just, it's like, you know, they, they don't see eye to eye on this, but, you know, there's there's still civility between them. That scene in the the, the, the barbecue is like, that was what made me like 100% Kyle's side when like Clark and Lois look out the window and they see Kyle grilling and like, you hear them talking like you don't hear what's going on outside and Kyle, you see Kyle, he's got his sunglasses on the back of his head, like backwards. And he's like playing air guitar with the spatula. <laughs> Just like, I'm like, I know this dude, like, you know, <laughs> you know so good. One thing that I don't know that either of us, I know I don't have an answer to this, but there was more diversity in this small, in this smallville than I think we've seen in any other incarnation. And than you you might expect for a small Kansas town. And I don't know the demographics of like a small Kansas town. So I don't know if this was, you know, kind of like creative, just a creative choice that they made or if it is actually reflective of of what we're seeing in, in you know, in places like that. I don't know, but it was it was interesting. And I definitely clocked that. I was like, oh, we're really, it's it's not this homogenous, you know, you know, white, yeah. you know, town. It, there was really, really a lot of diversity there. Yeah, no, I'm glad that they, they did that because I, I feel like that reflects more like reality. You know what I mean? Like it's it's for sure good. Like and like and all their friends, like the all the football players and everything. Like it was, it, you're right. It was a lot of diversity on the show, which was which was a good thing. You know, which is awesome. Yeah, uh, and you know, talking about you know Lana, you know, there's a scene with her and and her her daughter, you know, uh, really early in one of the early episodes where. Uh, 
you know, obviously there's been this, you know, this tension uh, between them and and the daughter's talking about how, you know, basically she's sees that her mom's not happy. Right. And she feels that she herself is kind of like going to follow in a similar, you know, on a similar path. And I just remember watching that scene and I'm like, that's again, for CW show, it's like, it's pretty sophisticated, you know, as far as the, like these emotional issues that they're dealing with. It was, it was, again, I, I, I just can't say enough great things. I really, it it felt a lot like Friday night lights. I know we've talked about that before, but it had that like weight of that show, you know? Um, Yeah, it was great, dude. It was every, every, like, I don't think there was, there there was one, one person I thought was like kind of questionable, like cast wise, but like that was, um, Morgan Edge, like, but, but I think that might have been more like writing. To, we can we can get to. I think that's the weakest part of the show, by the way, is the Morgan Edge stuff. But, um, but yeah, everyone was just cast so well and they acted their parts so well. And like you said, like, like with the with the representation for you know with all the diverse characters and stuff, it just it just felt real and like modern and like earnest and good, you know. And like I don't know, I just I can't say enough good things about it. Yeah, no, man. I mean, I, you know, I think that's the the theme of our of our episode here. But it was, I, I, I think the thing why I'm like so like dumbfounded by it in certain respects is just that I didn't, I didn't expect this of of this yeah. show. Well, well, dude, just the premise: Superman has two teenage kids and he's like raising them. Like that sounds like god awful. Like I remember when we when the, when the show when we first talked about it and you said you were going to do a podcast and I was like. I don't know if I'm going to watch. This sounds like really bad, like a CW Arrowverse show about Superman raising teenagers. Like, oh, like, no, but I'm telling it's like they knocked it out of the park, you know? Flat Squirrel Productions is an affiliate of BCW Supplies. The next time you need to restock on comic book bags, boards, boxes, and more, be sure to use promo code FSP to save 10% on your order. It helps support the show too. Thank you. My comic shop travels haven't yet taken me to Texas. But when they do, my first stop will be the Hive Comics and Tabletop Games. As they say, we exist to make your entry into nerdy realms easy. An oasis of nerd fun and events in the heart of Odessa, Texas, Hive carries a full selection of comics, manga, and gaming, including Magic, D&D, Yu-Gi-Oh!, and Pokemon. Visit them in person or via their online shop at thehivecomics.com. Film lovers and filmmakers should check out these festivals. Brightside Tavern in Jersey City, Hang On To Your Shorts in Asbury Park, Point Lookout on Long Island, and In The Cut in Bloomfield, New Jersey. Event details and submission info can be found at filmfreeway.com. Follow the fests on social media for updates on discounts, tickets, and more. Also, be sure to listen to the Hang On To Your Shorts and Cullen On Film podcasts available via a shared universe network. If you're a fellow father out there, or if you're just interested in hearing a fun conversation, check out Shadadigans, a weekly podcast by dads sharing their dad experiences. Listen, relate, and laugh. One of the hosts has been a guest of this show, Justin DeVoe. In recent years, Justin has embarked on a truly remarkable fitness journey, which you can see for yourself on Instagram at Lobo. And if you're looking for guidance on your own fitness journey, check out at Iron and Honor. Oh, and I want to go back to the first, because I, I re-listened to our first episode talking about this, and I was saying how I thought the costume, the Golden Age costume, was really bad looking, and I maintain that in that first that first five-minute clip of the show, I think this is, because it's this info dump, I think it's like, comes off as a little corny. 
But seeing the episode where he's in the Golden Age costume the whole time, the whole flashback episode, I I really like the Golden Age costume. I don't like the underwear, and I don't like that the S is like looks like it's stitched on. Like it looks like visibly like like not like attached right. Like it looks like it's kind of like taped on. But I love the colors of it. Like I love like the blue and the red with the black behind the yellow. Like I think the Golden Age color costume I like a lot, and I really really like like I I. I wish that blue was the blue in his like modern day suit. Cause the modern day blue is a little too dark, you know? Um, but yeah, I've been totally turned around in the golden age look for him. So nice. Yeah. No, yeah. that's No, that's cool. I'm glad. Uh, yeah, I was, I was, I dug that, you know, would I want that necessarily to be the, the costume every week? Probably not, but I, I liked it in the capacity, you know, in which they used it. Uh, let me ask you this. Cause I, I feel in a lot of ways, I, I wear my heart on my sleeve when we do these episodes and I've, and I've often talked about things that have made me emotional in the, the everything that we've talked about on these various episodes. And I'm, I'm curious uh, if you want to answer, was there anything that, that kind of got you choked up at all over the course of the, and it's okay if, if not, but was there anything that like you really think. found mo- like you were really moved by? There definitely was. And it, I think it was the part with Steel when he's with his daughter and he like they, they do their like they're they're like holding hands and she says like forged an iron and he says like strong as steel or so, something yeah. to that effect where like he calls out the name Steel and like and you can tell it's like it's basically him saying like I'm not giving up and like that that choked me up a little bit. Like you know what I mean? Even talking about it now is kinda like making me a little emotional. Like that hit home really hard for me. Um trying to think i know there's definitely other parts of the show that but that's the one that jumps to mind the most i mean steel in general to me was the best part of the whole show like because you know i'm a huge fan of him and the actor was great like i mean i mean he's not Shaq, you know i mean which you know <laughs> and i say that i say that genuinely like i still think Shaq is like perfect to play steel but um but yeah you know he was great um i oh dude i i thought they missed a golden opportunity at the end when they teamed up for the last fight I wish Superman gave him like a spare cape. He's like, I'm deputizing you as like another Superman. Like, I wish he gave him another cape. Like, I gave him a cape because like that suit was missing a cape for sure. Yeah, I mean, so first of all, I, I agree with you. That scene definitely I, w- was moving to me. I, I honestly, I, I kind of toyed with framing our discussion around the moments that made me tear up because there were a lot. There really were, and I, I won't go through all of them, but. You know, unsurprisingly, like a lot of the a lot of the moments that dealt with um, the fathers and sons, uh, you know, really, you know, really moved me. But random stuff, to, not random stuff, but unexpected things I, I found moving. Like when Jordan can't control the heat vision on the football field and Clark races mm-hmm. out there and he puts his hand in front of his face. He's like, just like, just let it out. I got it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I, I'm not saying like I was. I was bawling, but it it was moving to me. It's like he, that he was there for him in that way. And um, I, I really like that. A, a lot of the stuff with, with steel, I think I mentioned this on another episode, but in the, in the finale, when, you know, he's out in space and his oxygen levels have been depleted, but he was able to throw the hammer, you know, with the velocity he needed to, to stop Morgan edge. And, you know, it, he's floating out there and you see on his face and you see the tear coming down and you know, we see his, the, his memories of his daughter. And it's like, this guy doesn't think he's coming back and he's okay with that because he thinks mm-hmm. he's going to pass on and see his daughter. And it was, su- and then of course Clark gets him, but you know, it was, it was, it was such a, such a moving uh, moment. 
And then, you know, there are a lot of scenes where not necessarily uh, uh, moving, but, you know, really kind of like heart wrenching where, you know, the, the, the kids are hard on Clark at various points uh, in, in this, yeah. especially in the early episodes. And yeah, you really feel like that, that, that struggle of, um, again, like this is the most, the powers of a God, yet he is struggling to try to connect with his kids, including one who is mm-hmm. dealing with powers of his own. So, uh, you know, all that stuff really resonated. And I know I said fathers and sons, but the episode where Lana allows Lara to possess her, right? Because they need to mm-hmm. figure out how to reprogram the eradicator. And we get that scene with Lara and, and Clark. Um, and, you know, a lot of it is sort of the, the technical piece of how they're going to you know re- reprogram it. But, you know, he tells her about Martha. He's like, you know, I had mm-hmm. a mother here. Her name was Martha. She loved me very much. And, you know, obviously he had, he had just lost her. Um, and just him conveying that to Lara and, you know, just seeing the, the joy and the relief right in her eyes, uh, was, ah, it just, it, it really got me. And the last thing, cause I could go on, but I'll, I'll, the last thing is also with Lara, when Lois has a conversation with her and she talks about how, you know, Clark is the world's, you know, first and greatest hero, but she's like, but I just want you to know, like, he's an even better man. He's a better husband and father. Um, mm-hmm. and how much that means to like, oh man, all that stuff. It, I just, I loved it. I got chills as I'm, yeah. as I'm, uh, yeah. quoting this Dude. stuff. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean the, it wasn't with Superman, but the, the scene where Jordan, they go back to their old high school and they play the football game and like, and afterwards they get into like a, like a fight with their old teammates and Jordan goes to like throw a punch and his brother was like, no, 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 you can't. And like, he goes to try to stop him and like grabs his fist and kind of like takes the brunt of all of it and like breaks his hand and like his life's probably irrevocably changed now because like they said that he's like he's in a cast for the rest of the show it's not like he's just like next season he's like oh i'm better now you know like so um yeah like that like i like that they made the brothers not at each other's throats either does going back to that but like but a lot of moments between the brothers kind of got me like choked up a little bit because like I I'm an only child and I always wanted a brother. So like a lot of that is like kind of hits that like, oh man, this would have been awesome if I had a brother like that, you know, like, so yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, we must've talked about this at some point, but I, I too am an only child. I, I can't say I ever like longed for a sibling, but watching the show and seeing that dynamic, I, I too found that so refreshing because I think it would have been really, and it's not without, you know, they, they have their moments, but mm-hmm. you know, at, at the end of the day, like these, they're a family, the, the four of them. And, you know, even, even little things like when the kids leave for school, they tell their mom and dad, they love them. Like little things like that, I, that I don't know. I don't feel yeah. like you often see on teen shows or, or, or a lot of shows. And it's like, at the no. end of the day, no matter what problems they have, it's like, they're good. They're good boys. You know, like they're yeah. good boys. They love their parents. Their parents are there for them. I mean, I thought after the first episode, I was like, oh, I see where this is going. Jordan's going to get powers and Jonathan is going to fall into a vat of acid, lose his hair and become the next Lex Luthor. Like, I felt like that's like, uh, like, this is clearly what they're doing, but they didn't do that at all. It was like, the show kept surprising me in that it kept sidestepping all the tropes that you think it would go for. And like, and the fact that Jordan, talk about things that, you know, like get teared up when Jordan, not Jordan, when Jonathan has that breakdown in one episode where he's like, like it's to the effect of like, I, I can't do anything. I can't even help dad hold nails to like bang in the, this for like, what am I going to do? And like, he, he kind of like forms this like 
like friendship with steel like because he like is interested in like the tech stuff and he sees in steel like oh this is a dude that doesn't have powers that's still like contributing and like doing something and like maybe i could do the same thing you know and like i think that was a pretty cool aspect to add to their the dynamic you know Oh, man, I, I'm enjoying that. I can't tell you how much I'm enjoying finally being able to talk to you about all of this. I love that. I love the bond with Steel. I love the bond that he formed with his mother over being the two powerless people in the family. And like that's the thing that one of the things that I think the show did so well, in addition to giving everyone a valid point of view, like you get where everyone is coming from. And, and I think the motivations really ring true, but everyone has their moments of heroism and everyone has their role to play. You know, it's not just Superman. Like, that's the thing about this show. Whether it's Kyle running into that burning building to mm -hmm. save, you know, one of the people who had, who had turned on him. Um, or, you know, again, Jonathan, not just helping Steel with the with the weapons, but, um, you know, I, I think it's the one-two punch of, you know, Lois revealing Clark's secret to John Henry Irons, right? When Clark's been, you know, taken and, and potentially turned, uh, you know, by Morgan Edge. And, you know, John Henry Irons is ready to take, take Kal-El out, right? And Lois mm -hmm. makes this plea and is like, listen, it's not super, this is my husband. And, you know, it seems to resonate, but at the end of that scene, he's like, listen, I still need to do this. But then Jonathan makes his plea, you know, as, as the child, he's like, look, I, I get the sense, you know, it seems like you're a good dad. You love your daughter. Like my dad's a great dad too. And so it's like they all have they all have their moments um, throughout. That, that that part made me tear up. By the way, talking about parts that like, yep. I'm not remembering them, but that you jog my memory. That part when he's like, "Mike, my dad's a really great dad too." Like, yeah, that was a good, for sure, a good moment. Yeah, and all right. So you know, we we obviously mentioned uh, John Henry Irons, but like, let's 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 get into this. Yeah. Uh, here, so much to say, but. You know, when the show started, right, we knew that there was going to be this character, The Stranger, right? And of course, he debuts in the pilot only in armor. We see only the back of his head at the very end. And the AI in his ship refers to him as Captain Luther, right? And then we get to see more of him in the subsequent episodes. And he poses as a reporter named Marcus Bridgewater. And you don't know his deal. Yeah. It was so brilliant. Well, I think everybody, everybody assumed it was Lex Luthor. Yeah. Because he was bald. Like, that, that was the thing. Is like, because, and yeah, and, 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 that was a genius like way to reveal it you know it was it was good well that's the thing because you know watching it it's like you know typically lex luther is not a black man right so when we get this reveal it's like oh like we're getting like they're changing up the way lex is going to be present like and i think that was the kind of like the stroke of genius because it's like you it's like oh like this is the twist sort of thing yeah you know? Yeah, yeah. And it's like, I, it wasn't even in my mind. Like, oh, he might really be John Henry. I like, and, and, but I think that's ultimately a positive thing. It's, I didn't, it's not like I felt like, well, he's a black man. He can only be John Henry Irons. It's like, <laughs> I was on board. Like, that's the thing yeah. about the show. I was, I was like, yeah. oh, I can't, like, this is a really badass Lex Luthor. Like, this is awesome. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. Cause like, it was like up until the reveal, it's like they, they, they show, cause it was flashback, like on the other earth in a mil in the military like married to Lois and you're like, Oh, well, this is, this is, this must be the heroic Lex Luthor. You know what I mean? Like that's like, Oh, this is a badass Lex Luthor. Yeah. And then when they do that reveal, like his name is John Henry Irons, sir. And then like, it, like, like they say like his DNA matches a deceased man named John Henry Irons. And then it cuts right to like Superman getting beat up in the red rays. And he's like, you're not the man of steel. I am. And he clicks the, the thing on his glove and the hammer comes flying out, which we hadn't seen up to that point. Like we hadn't seen the hammer at all. It comes flying out and he grabs it like, Oh dude, so chills. That was a chills moment for sure. 
Well, you know, you and I, we when we talked about the Steel movie, and you and I are defenders of it, and will remain defenders of it. But yeah, we talked about how, generally speaking, this is a character with untapped potential. Potential, yeah. But I feel like this show now has is is realizing that potential, and they're doing such a great job. Like, yeah, you totally. know, what's funny is you know you and I talked about was we talked about the Steel movie, but also about the the comics, and and obviously I did the run of episodes where we looked at Reign of the Superman, and you know what was always cool about John Henry Irons is that. We talk about Superman as this inspiration. And John Henry Irons is is that inspiration made real. Like this is a person who was so moved by what Superman did for him and for other people that he decided to do it for himself. Mm-hmm. And that's beautiful. This obviously flips it because in Superman and Lois, he's still motivated and inspired by Superman, <laughs> but in a very uh, different way to no, kill him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like over the course of the season, you know, you see that that respect start to to grow and they come to that understanding and maybe not buddies by the end, but I think we're getting there like the allies at a minimum. And it was, yeah. uh, it was, yeah, again, you talk about the arcs of the season, you know, like from, from Lana in the car, ashamed to go into her daughter's therapy appointment to telling off the mayor in the town square, you know, to go from the stranger in the pilot who only wanted to kill kal to, mm-hmm. to, uh, to an ally, you know, of Clark, uh, you know, by the end, mm-hmm. which is, Oh God, I loved it. It was good, dude. Yeah, my only thing, like we said, was that, like, I wish he had a cave. I wish he had the cave. And, like, the helmet, I, I do wish that, like, I hope they change the helmet for the next season, like, so they make it more steel-like, more, like, look like a human face and not just, like, that, like, he kind of looks like the Master Chief from Halo is kind of what this helmet looks like now. Um, I do wish his hammer was bigger, too. You know, I mean, I mean, we're like, we're like, I'm like visually nitpicking the shit out of him now, but like, because, because it was so well done, like his portrayal was so great. Do you know the actor's name? Cause I forgot to look him up. Well, he was, he was awesome. Wale Parks. Yeah. He was great. Great job, dude. Like it was amazing. Like such a good steal. I messaged him on Instagram. I said, I really loved your performance. By the way, if you ever want to come on the podcast, I don't, I don't expect to get a response, but if nothing else, just, just to convey. And I actually wrote in my message, I was like, you know, I've long, basically what I just said, like I've long felt this was a character with a lot of potential. And it's like, I love, so love what, what you and the show are doing with, with the character of John Henry Irons. And again, it's just a very, very understandable, believable, relatable motivation. It's like, he's seen what, a Superman unhinged can do to a world. Mm -hmm. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, this is his second chance to stop that from happening. Now, I I actually thought that Superman and Lois did a solid job with this alternate earth business. Cause I feel like, and I know you've dropped out of the other Arrowverse shows as I have, but I I know I watched more than you did. I feel like on some of the other shows, like the characters were weird about their doppelgangers. It's like, it's not you. I, I really feel like there was like this weird thing on a lot of the shows where it's like, I, I, I don't know. I don't think they, there was a, like they fully grasped or, or at least the way it played out on screen that like, it's like, yes, it's like, it's similar to you, but it's not, it's not actually you. And I feel like the show um, did it. Like, I feel like the show did it. I'm not explaining it great. And I wish I had a, a, a very clear I, example I, I, top of mind, but you well, know. I, I mean, I get what you're saying because when when Steel like <laughs> they ask him to stay at the end, and he's like, he's like, I want to, but I can't because every time I look at he's talking to Lois, he's like, every time I look at you, I see my wife, but like I know you're not her. Yes, but like, but you still look like her, and like it's too weird for me. You know what I mean? Like, like so I, I get what you're saying, yeah. Because I, I go back to thinking about like Flash. Like, I feel like 
there were episodes where they're like, yeah, well, but that's me. You can't do it. You know? Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. That sort of thing. So I, I thought they did a good job uh, with that. And yeah, it was so cool to get the, the reveal. And I mean, again, I think Kyle, for me, Kyle Cushing was like MVP number two, but MVP number one of season one of Superman and Lois for me was John Henry Irons. And so much of it came down to that, the battle of Metropolis when Lois is about to get fried by Leslie Lar. And John Henry is, you know, fighting in the park and he throws that hammer and it goes by the guy he's fighting. He's like, you missed. And it clocks Leslie Lar yeah. and he comes back to him and he goes, I never miss. Oh, yeah. That was, a, that was so the best. Good. That was so the good. best. <laughs> so good. I know. It chills me. Like, like, you was like, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. It was so sick, dude. Yeah. And, and, you know, even before that, when, um, you know, when, when, when Clark is fighting off the influence of, of Zod and uh, if listeners, you know, I know I'm, we're not, we're giving some context, but I know we're not like doing full plot summaries here. I'm kind of hoping that you've watched the season. <laughs> so yeah. if anything kind of seems like, what are they talking about? Uh, look, I, hopefully by this point, an hour in, you've gotten that we really recommend this show. Uh, so, so go watch it. But you know, when John Henry goes in basically to, to kill Superman, right? You know, we've had the plea from Lois, we've had the plea from Jonathan, but he's going in really thinking he needs to put Superman down to to, mm-hmm. to save everyone from, from his I mean, power. For, for, for context, Clark is like, his his mind is taken over by the spirit of General Zod, which I want to get into this after because yes. it's just the weakest part of the show. But um, but yeah, so 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 basically Steel's going into, because he thinks Clark has been, irrevocably corrupted and is now a villain and is going to destroy the planet unless he kills him. Like that's what. Yeah. So, and then, you know, he finally has this moment where again, all along it's been Kal-El or Superman. And then finally, like he addresses him as Clark and tells him to mm-hmm. fight. And, you know, ultimately it's the memory of, you know, Clark's family, right. That is able to enable him to fight off the influence. But, you know, I, I like to think the uh, John Henry Irons, you know, rooting for him in his corner and giving him that time, you know, made, yep. all, the, made all the difference. Um, so, again, just his arc over the season was was just uh, was just tremendous. And, you know, of course, the season ends with Natalie, his daughter from the from the other earth showing up. And so I'm really, you know, really curious to see how that's going to play out in season two. But man, what what a, an unexpected and pleasant surprise that captain luther turned out to be because like we've had so many lexes we've had one one live action john henry irons one fantastic john henry irons fantastic (laughs) john henry irons but this was this was a different take that like 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 we talked about in our steel episode is that the 97 movie as like you know lighthearted and like you know kind of corny as it is it still follows the story of the comic books very faithfully where this was it kind of like inverted the story and like changed it, but kept the, the core tenets of the character. If that makes sense, you know? Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, right. Exactly. Yes. Um, again, I think like the way he's inspired by Superman is completely turned on its head, but, but yeah, I think the mm-hmm. rest of it, the core, you know, is very similar. I mean, again, we go weapons from man- he's a weapons manufacturer, like in the military, yeah, all, all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think the changes that they made, you know, worked for the story that they're telling, right? So instead of a, a niece, Natasha, right, it's a daughter, Natalie, with his Earth's version of Lois Lane, which, again, opens up, a, you know, a lot of a lot of drama. And as far as Natalie specifically, you know, really, really gave us, I thought, one of the, again, one of the most sadly, you know, relatable and very human episodes where, you know, Lois is in therapy, right? That's our framing device 
uh, for the episode. Mm-hmm. And over the course of it, you know, we find out that um, she had been pregnant again after the the boys were born and and suffered a miscarriage, but they were going to name the daughter Natalie. And so, you know, all of that is kind of going on, um, you know, for, for Lois as well. And going back to what you were saying at the beginning about these moments where like Clark is very believably like a person, um, you know, that's the episode where uh, Jonathan goes into John Henry Irons RV and he gets trapped and the, the weapons are going to fry him and Clark has to swoop in at the last second and save him and Lois just unloads on him, like just yells at Jonathan right yeah. in the kitchen and she sends Jonathan to his room and like Clark in that moment, the most powerful man on earth, the powers of a god he's afraid. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You know, he's very, you know, he like, he knows like Lois is really on edge. He knows she's really fired up. He knows that there's more, you know, there's more to it, but just, I love, I so love the way he played that where it was like, you know, he was like really, you know, taking like these baby steps and like really walking on, on eggshells uh, around her. And it just, again, like, uh, especially now watching it like as a, as a married man, it's like, yeah, (laughs) that tracks. It makes sense. Totally makes sense. Yeah. Uh, what were your thoughts on, on, um, Elizabeth Tullock, Bitsy Tullock as, uh, as Lois? Oh, I really like her as Lois Lane. I think she's definitely one of my favorites, like going back to, um, talking about Tyler Hecklin. Like, I think she's, um, I don't know how I'd rank them because I didn't put too much thought into that, but like, I mean, it's still really like Erica Durant's from Smallville. She might be, it's, I feel like it's between her and Erica Durant's for my number one spot tied for Lois. Cause again, she's she's believably tough to me as a reporter but still comes off as like sweet and endearing and you see why superman's in love with her right like like i and you can see her as like a good mom too like you see her as like like to me like there's so many of those interactions with the kids where it's like oh this feels like me talking to my mom like these are like interactions i've had with my mom like straight up and i like i was never fully on board with um the Snyder, um, Amy Adams, Amy Adams. Yeah. Amy Adams, Lois Lane. Like I, I never like, like her tough reporter never felt very true to me. Like it, it felt kind of like, like, like act. I mean, I, it's hard. Acting's hard, right? Not everyone can do it. So like, but like, I, but Elizabeth Tulloch, I think like she just felt so believable. And to me, she looks like, like she has the like, dark hair, you know, like, like she has the comic book look of like Lois that we haven't seen in like forever. You know what I mean? Like, I think the last time we've seen that was Terry Hatcher, I think was the last one that had like the classic, like dark haired comic book, like look for Lois. So like it was, I felt like it was a very good portrayal, you know? Yeah. Uh, I mean, she so grew on me uh, again with both of them. Like I, I was a little bit mixed going in. And both of them really won me over. Hecklin first, like I very quickly was like, oh, okay. Like I, I love the way he's playing this version of Clark as, as the dad and, and a little older and, and all that. So I, I was really on board with him. It took a little bit longer for her, but you know what, um, what really kind of put it all into place for me was the flashback episode. Um, where we get to see how they first met and, and all of that, because, you know, for so much of this, you know, we see her in mom mode and trying to figure mm-hmm. out what's going on with Morgan edge and, you know, things are get very fraught and, and, you know, there's a lot of, I mean, there are light moments, but there's a lot of seriousness and going back and seeing the earlier version of her Lois 
um, and and those like more romantic early moments with her and Clark, uh, I was like, oh, like I really, I, I just appreciated her generally even more, and um, and it made me appreciate everything else that she was doing as well. So, yeah, you know, it's yeah, like it's so weird because I was really cold on both of them coming into this, but at least as far as her and how, how I would rank the Loises, honestly, like Erica Durant and Terry Hatcher and Bitsy Tulloch are really in the in the top tier for me. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, I like, I like bits personally. I like Bitsy Tulloch more than Terry Hatcher. Like, just because, like, I just feel like it's just a more real performance. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, that's era, this era of television, though, too. You know, it's like they were they were making a completely different show. So true. Uh, again, I'll have a better answer once I've done my my actual uh, Lois and Clark rewatch. But for now, I would really put the three of them there. And like Amy Adams, I was was I thought she was a good Lois. I didn't think she was a great Lois. I didn't think she was bad. Like I thought I didn't. I thought, I, I thought she was kind of miscast a little bit. I mean, like that's. Just, I mean, she's a great actress, and I I've seen her and stuff where she's she's amazing. I just didn't. For me, it just didn't fit super well. Like I didn't think they had like great chemistry together. But yeah. I don't know. Maybe someone else thinks differently. No, fair enough. Um, uh, while we're all, while we're talking about Clark and Lois, uh, <laughs> one of the scenes where it's one of the early episodes where Lois wants Clark to go to. Uh, like another town hall type meeting and kind of make the case against Morgan edge. And he misses it because of his super heroics. And they have mm-hmm. like this, is the episode where she goes out drinking with Lana. Yeah. And they have this little argument, uh, like in the hallway and it, it just kind of reminded me, you know, my wife and I have a great relationship. Thankfully we don't argue a lot, but when we do, the, <laughs> The way they argued was like very similar to kind of how how we will express ourselves when there's a disagreement where I think we both have a self-awareness and we're always like, how do I put this? It's like we always try to be mindful of like acknowledging the other person. And I think that's what Lois does in that scene where she's like, I'm mad, but like, I know it's not fair to be mad. Like, I know you had to go, but I still feel this way and I need to go get a drink. And like with, with Lana and... I don't know, like just the way that the two of them interacted with each other, again, for me, at least personally, like yeah. it really, like it really hit home because it just kind of showed like even, and I guess this is a theme we've hit on this a few times now, like even when there, there are, there's anger or upset or whatever the case may be that there's still this bedrock of love and trust and respect. Right. But it's yeah. like, you still feel a certain way in the moment. I thought they played that great. Yeah, no, absolutely. They they have great chemistry together for sure. And like you you totally buy them as like a married couple and you buy them as parents too. And and, and as her as the reporter, which is very important that that part feels like you believe that. You believe her as this like tough as nails, not going to take shit from anybody, like stands up to like everyone, stands up to her dad. Like she has this like confidence about her that that is so real, you know, and like I'm, I'm 100% down with her as low. She's great. And, you know, going back to that, um, cause you know, right on this podcast, we talked a lot about the, the tellings of the origin and I wanted to spend a little time uh, and it's only one episode, but it's a, it's a key episode. And basically we get another telling of, of the Superman story. And, you know, I wanted to get your thoughts on it uh, generally, but while we're talking about, about Clark and Lois, I mean, I love that, um, and of course, you know, we find out that we're seeing all of these memories because Morgan edge has, and we still haven't even gotten to Morgan edge. We'll talk about him, but yeah. you know, he's infiltrated Clark's mind. And so he's wading through Clark's memories. Um, but we don't know that initially. We're just, we were getting a flashback episode. 
But we get to see the beginnings of the relationship with Clark and Lois. And we had gotten some pieces of it in the pilot. Um, but then we really got to to spend a lot more time in that in that era with them. And I so loved that, you know, she was smitten with Clark and not Superman. But what I mm-hmm. also loved, and I appreciated this more upon rewatch, was that as a reporter, she was not all about getting the Superman story. And I don't, I can't think, can you, like, are there other, I don't know that there have been other instances of this where her whole thing in that, in that flashback episode is like, everyone's climbing all over each other to get these stories on Superman and he's taking up the front page, but there's this other stuff that's happening, like stories, the the hate crimes, right, that she's reporting on and she's trying to get some traction, but it keeps getting bumped because everyone's covering Superman. I thought that was such a fresh take on this. What'd you think? Agreed. Totally agreed. Like, they've rebooted these things so many times, right? That like, you have to change things up. Um, and I, like you said, like it just brought like a, like a, like a freshness to it. You know what I mean? Like, and, and again, it makes like, I like it when she's not infatuated with Superman. You know what I mean? Like, like I like in, and that just adds to the fact that she's not in, like, she's not chasing Superman at all. You know what I mean? It's like, it's, she likes Clark and, Clark likes her and there's no like the Superman element is almost like a backdrop. You know what I mean? Yep. Yeah. And see, and we'll talk about this more when we get to the Donner movie, but you're able to do that when your Clark Kent has integrity when, mm-hmm. yeah, he's a little dorky, right? And maybe he wears a tie when he shouldn't. Although I still never quite yeah. got that, that whole bit where she's like, who told you to wear a tie? It's like, I don't know. It's his first day at a major newspaper. I'd probably wear a tie too. <laughs> That leans into his dorky factor, though, because like he wears a tie, but he's not wearing a suit. You know what I mean? True. He's wearing like jeans with a tie, like like, and that's that's like perfect. Like like the the way that they brought about his like dorkiness is like like he's not super fashionable. Like he he like he's not like up with like like current like styles and stuff. Like I just thought that was like great. You know what I mean? Like I, I loved it. Well, and, and kind of building off of that, um, you know, they have this great scene where it's the two of them working late at night, right? Because, you know, when she expresses to him, like, look, I'm trying to cover this story, but it keeps getting, you know, overshadowed by the Superman coverage. Clark's, re- Clark's response is, how can I help? Right? And then they start yeah. working together on these stories, and then they're late in the office uh, alone one night. And um, I love just like the physicality of it. You know, he gets up, they're both sitting on the desk, and he gets up, and she kind of like slinks off the deck like there's this little move that she does and uh and, you know she kind of asks like oh like oh you got a hot date you got to and he's like no like probably just go home and heat up some chicken nuggets and and watch seinfeld and i said to myself again <laughs> as far as the relatability it's like yeah probably so a thousand true. percent that's what he's gonna yeah. do <laughs> You know, it's like, where else, but that's the thing. It's like, where else do you get these moments? Like, ah, oh, you yeah. know, it was, it was so good. And such a, I also love too. then the subsequent to that, when she's interviewing Superman and, uh, you know, they have to take a break and she confesses to her friend who we've never seen before or since her best friend that, you know, she's in yeah. love with Clark. And of course, Superman can hear that. And, um, yeah. what, what were your other thoughts on the way they laid out the origin in that episode? Cause they, there's some, some things that are consistent with what we've seen before, but other deviations, like what, what were your, what were your overall impressions? I mean, I mean, I like that whole episode a lot. I, I'm kind of foggy on the details of it. Like, like I like that he was like stopping like the hate crimes. I thought that was like very topical and very poignant, you know? Um, 
I'm trying to think. Like again, my, my biggest memory though is just the suit, the the golden age suit being like, you know what, this actually looks pretty good. I still don't like the underwear, but like the rest of it, I'm like, yeah, this looks pretty good. But yeah, the whole the whole them, you know, like their interactions. And I, I do like that like in that interview with when Lois and is interviewing Superman on TV and her best friend that we never see before or after <laughs> is like, I think Superman's checking you out. And she's like, she's like, no, he's not like, and she's like, she's like, it doesn't matter. I'm a love. Like, I like that. It's like, she falls for Clark and not Superman. I know. I know we said that before, but like, I think that's very key to this whole show is that Clark, you know, being who we, how we always say Clark is who he is and Superman is what he does. And like, yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's, you know, again, it comes out in the dorkiness, but little things too, like there are, this line comes up a few times. Um, the, the kids say it about him, but and Clark says it himself. Like he genuinely loved growing up in Smallville, mm-hmm. which, you know, it's funny. Like you take the 10 year Smallville show. I don't know that I could say like, yeah, they really demonstrate that Clark loves the town. I don't, like, I, I don't know. I guess he protects it certainly, but like you get this sense yeah. like, like this Clark really loves being part of this community. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, and kind of on that note. Um, and as far as, you know, sort of, you know, deviations in so many tellings, of course, you know, Pa Kent tends to get the lion's share of the, the advice and the poignant moments and the, the, the his passing. He's, um, not, he's not in this at all. He's got that one, one brief clip in the beginning and then that's it. Yeah. There's, and which I thought, you know, it, it really gave a lot more to Martha and really spoke to, again, her place in, you know, in terms of the relationship with Clark and that period of time after Pa passes. Um, and, and but then also just her role in the in the community. And, you know, that's more, you know, we hear about it, you know, not necessarily seeing it. But um, I, I like that. Like Martha oftentimes like doesn't have a ton to do. And so I thought it was I, like I really liked I really liked that aspect of it. Um I'm a little bit mixed on this, but overall I'm okay with how they handled it. Like Superman, the movie, when, when Clark leaves Smallville on this show, he spends years training with Jor-El at the, at the fortress, right? I, I, I did feel like it was a little weird that when he leaves, he's like 15 or whatever. Like the kid, like the kid who was playing him was, I felt like way too young to be like, <laughs> like when Clark's like, I'm leaving. It's like, you stuff like, three years of high school left dude like <laughs> like i know that was a little weird but yes but you know that and that was kind of one of the things that was interesting both with young clark as well as with john and jordan like they cast kids or at least people who really look like kids um which true again very rare for a cw show i mean i wonder if in part they had to do that so that it's more I, believable I, 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 that they could be their parents yeah no that's definitely why they did it because if they casted people like Tom Welling as their parents, it would be very strange, but you know, there's no difference between them and the, yeah. Yeah. But the thing I was going to say was that, you know, again, we'll, we'll get to into this more when we get to Superman, the movie, but I probably the thing that bugs me most about that movie is the 15 year programming session that he has with Jor-El at the fortress. And when he's done, Mm -hmm. he's Superman and they do basically a version of that here. But, and this was, and again, it's like, I just, I so appreciated this. When he's done training, Jor-El says to him, like, okay, but you still haven't answered the question why you want to help people, why you want to do this. You need to go back into the world and engage with the world first. And that's the thing that is not there in Superman the movie and that I, oh, it really, it, it 
I just, it's hard for me to like really latch on to that version in part because of that. And so I, I really appreciated that. Um, I will also say on a completely, uh, a much lighter note, when he returns to Smallville, you know, he looks, he looks up Lana, right? And he, he finds her outside the movie theater and Friday Night Lights is playing. Boy, that made me feel old. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. No, totally. I, I I love that they did that though because it was a period accurate like. But yeah, dude, it was like, oh yeah, I'm old now. I I was in high school when that movie came out. Like like that's it's it's totally fits the timeline 100. percent You know. <laughs> yeah, uh, and I know you said before, and I think that, and you know, the producers have cited this as an influence, and I, I, you totally see it. The in terms of the way the show is shot in particular uh, shades of Friday night lights. Did you watch the show or no? Yeah. I you did, did. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Same. We'll love that show. Yeah. Same here. And it was great. Yeah. I, they, they also cited, uh, and Greg Berlanti, you know, the Uber producer was the created Everwood. Did you ever watch that on the WB? Never saw Everwood. No. Beautiful show. And actually the, um, the kid who at the time, the kid who played this, the son on Everwood, it was Gregory Smith, who now has become a director. And he directed a number of the um, Superman and oh, Lois wow. episodes. Yeah. Oh, wow. Wow. Um, so that was cool. cool. Yeah. You know, as far as the directors, um, you know, so Gregory Smith directed a number of them. Tom Cavanaugh, who played uh, Thawne, you know, Reverse Flash on, on Flash, uh, directed the finale. Uh, David Ramsey, who played Diggle, he directed the Man of Steel episode. Um Oh, cool. So, yeah, yeah. So, so cool. And that's cool. Coming up in season two, it was announced that Amy Jo Johnson, the Pink Ranger from Power Rangers, directed an episode. Really? Yeah. That's interesting. That's very cool. I know. It's good stuff. Now, all right, let's get to what, what I, I gather was your least favorite part of this, the, the Morgan Edge of it all. Uh, so what Okay. What do you so, think about that? Okay. So not, not so much Morgan Edge per se, but the, the macro plot of the show is the thing that I think was the weakest part, which is the, I don't want to say the plot of the whole show. Basically when you find out that Morgan edge is really Superman's long lost half brother, which is his mom was with Morgan edges, dad before like she was married to Morgan edges, dad, or she was having an affair with Morgan edges, dad before she met Jor-El and she left Morgan edges, dad for, Jor-El, right? That's well, what they said. Well, they say that she Something was along those lines. They say, see, it was I. And if anyone out there, if you have a more definitive answer, reach out to me. I felt like they were kind of nebulous in the way they phrased it. They they said a couple of times that she was genetically matched with Zeta Rowe, which okay. I took to mean that there wasn't a physical relationship, but rather their genetic material was used to produce this son, just like in, you know, various iterations of Krypton and different depictions, right? Um, you know, that's how children were, were bred. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, but it definitely, it definitely was the case that the relationship with Zeta came first and then she, yeah. And she left that yeah. for Jor-El, right? Yeah. And so they add this wrinkle to the Superman story that he's got this half brother who is been posing as Morgan edge and who's on earth. Cool. I'm on board with all of it. Adding a new villain, I'm always down for. All that stuff, right? The part that that I butted up against and got kind of bored with was this notion of like, we need to resurrect Krypton and conquer Earth and make a Krypton. Because we've seen it in Man of Steel. We've seen it in the comic books. Like like in the 15 years I've been reading comics, I feel like I've read it like three different times. It's like, like I, it was in the Jeff Johns run. It was in... It's twice in the Jeff Johns. It was in the it was in the last son. It was in the new Krypton stuff. It, like 
it's just this like like I'm just kind of sick of like oh Superman fights off a bunch of Kryptonians that are trying to take over Earth and it's like and, and but this was like so close to Man of Steel where it was like we're 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 taking the genetic we're taking the souls of Kryptonians that are in the 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 Eradicator and we're going to replace humans' brains with the souls of Kryptonians which. They inexplicably get powers, which doesn't make sense to me because their biology is still the human. So when they get the Kryptonian powers, it makes no fucking sense. Well, that but, was the ex-Kryptonite. Yeah, but again, it doesn't make sense. It's like, yeah. it's like, I, I thought the ex-Kryptonite was what allowed their consciousness to go in, not... Okay, I mean, still, it, 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 it was a stretch. <laughs> it, it, it was by far the weakest part of the show. We've been raving about everything on the show. And like, I said... The actor who played Morgan Edge was okay. Like, I didn't really have... Like, I actually thought he did a pretty good job with what he was given. I just thought that plot was, like, super weak. And, like, I was just kind of like, eh. Like, once we got into that last, like, four or five episodes or whatever, like, all the parts that had to deal with the Kryptonians, I was like, eh, it's kind of, kind of whatever. I don't know. What were your thoughts on it? I don't think... I don't think I was as as cold on it as you were, but I don't entirely disagree. And I think this kind of speaks to, uh, you know, a larger idea about the show. And I'm going to spin this into a compliment about the show. I think that the, the family storylines and the storylines about the town and, and the parenting, all of that, I mm -hmm. feel was so strong that like, maybe this paled in comparison. Like, it's funny because I I looked at like the show up on IMDb before we recorded, you know, like the trivia and the reviews, like just to kind of just for a little extra context before we recorded. And, you know, a lot of the reviews were really positive, um, but there were a number of reviews who were like, oh, it's too light on the Superman and too light on the action and all that stuff. And it's like watching it, you know, there was, I feel like it was episode three. It was one of the really early episodes where there's almost no Superman action. It's the one where he stops the bridge collapse at the very beginning. And then mm -hmm. I think he rescues Lois at the end when she's being attacked. But like, that's it. Yeah. And I remember watching that episode and I'm like, there was next to no Superman in this episode and I didn't miss it. It's like, I'm genuinely invested in Lois and Clark as parents, as Lois, as the reporter at the Gazette, at the kids in high school. Like I'm there for all of that. Um, so I think those aspects of the show were the best. And you know what's funny too? Uh, I know I'm, I'm kind of taking us on a little tangent here, but the visuals, right? What, what were your thoughts on the effects of the show generally? So, so I'll spin this into like what you're talking about with the action is that I think the action is actually really important. Like the, I do think that was an important part of the show. And I, I, I liked all of the action. Like, like just because like I didn't like, like I thought all the fight scenes were great talking about the visuals of it. I thought with the, with a TV budget that they had, it looked friggin great like the, the fight scenes were cool they were they were all all of the fight scenes were creative too which i thought usually with superman you can fall into this trap of them just like throwing each other through walls but like they had really cool different choreography with each fight which was great and i think that's like the idea of bringing back the kryptonians to me is because i feel like it just felt so much like man of steel like it was like like if it was like if they just tweaked a little bit like if it was his brother like trying to get revenge on superman so he wanted to destroy the planet like instead of just like repopulating and making a new krypton i think the, i think it was just like like we literally just did this and man it's like literally like the same exact plot i think that was more what i was butting up against but the actual like fights i thought were very cool like the visuals of steel look freaking great like and all that was cgi you know so i mean i i thought the action was well handled for a tv show uh, yeah i for the most part i agree with that I, I agree about the fights for sure it's funny with the effects generally i think there were 
there were there were a few sequences along the way that just felt unfinished. Um, the bridge collapse was one of them. Uh, there's another one where I think he stops a train where he's running after Kevin Tran. Not Kevin Tran. Yeah. That's the character from Supernatural. Um, <laughs> who's the kid? Oh, the, 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 the kid? The kid yeah. with the broken arm? Yeah. Uh, what was his name on this? I don't I'm, remember, I'm blanking. But I also, I don't know who Kevin Tran is either. I didn't get that deep into Supernatural. So Okay, yeah, he came He came later. But uh, I only got to like season like four, no, like six, I think. I got to like season six on Supernatural. Gotcha. Uh, yeah. But... Um, so there were a few sequences that kind of felt unfinished and there were also some where, again, going back to the way the show was filmed and the light that they use and everything, it, it, it was very reminiscent of Friday Night Lights and it had like this very realistic, uh, feel like, and and really gorgeously shot. And I feel like when you got to some of the pure CGI sequences, like when, when Clark and Morgan Edge have their first real face off and he -hmm. reveals himself as, as, uh, Tal Rowe, like that whole bit. That just like it, it looked different because clearly they were just in front of a of a green screen. But in any event, I, I don't say that to take anything away from it. Just that it, it, certain instances, I think it was a little unfinished, and then other instances, it just again just looked so different from the the other scenes in the show. But you know that um, yeah. you know that is what it is. I was gonna say any time that that his brother, what was his name, Tal Rowe? Yeah, yeah. Anytime he was talking to his father, it looked like Star Trek: The Next Generation a little bit. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like yeah. his, his like CG, like father, like visage, which that guy was crazy looking. Like, yes. <laughs> yeah, that guy really was. But so, yeah. so as far as like the tall row of it all in the plot. Yeah. I, I am with you though. I'll say this in their defense. I was relieved that the plot wasn't trying to terraform the earth. Cause I, feel, yeah. you know, it's I like, guess, yeah. Cause that's been done a million times. That's now. been done. And again, of course, you know, in man of steel famously, but it's like the thing about that. And I know I'm sure I said this in another episode, but the thing about that, that never made sense to me is like Krypton died. Like, why yeah. would you want to replicate the environment of Krypton? This is not a planet that is yeah. sustainable. You're going to lose your powers. You're going to lose <laughs> your powers. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I never quite got that. So I feel like at least they went in a different direction here. I, I agree with you though. I mean, I think if they had really focused more on, um, on on Tal Rowe as as you know this uh, you know cast off son um, yeah. who you know was not you know look Superman's become Earth's greatest champion and and so like there, I think there might have been some different angles to play as opposed to this whole like possession business but I mean I guess it allowed them again to generate the story of you know why Morgan Edge would want the town and the townspeople and it mm-hmm. so I mean I feel like it was like it was more of a means to an like- end. Like I liked all that. Like I liked all the the town people. I liked people getting powers, the mystery of all that. Like I thought all that was great. It was just the like at the end when it became like we're going to like rebirth Krypton on Earth. I was like, "Oh, it's so like like I feel like this is kind of like seeing Batman's parents like get killed in the alley at this point. Like it's like we've seen it so many times, you know. And I I may be sounding like I'm crapping on it because I just think that the show like was like dealing at 11 the whole time and that felt like a like like a level like six move to make you know what i mean instead of like this such high quality the rest of the show had so but you know nothing's perfect making 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 this stuff's hard i i totally get that so i don't want to be like you know crapping on them too much yeah no no i, I totally get what you're saying um and i will like i've been saying this whole idea of like the perspectives and and, and everything and, and seeing where people are coming from i mean i did i did get to a point where i did feel for for tall row and let me also say 
when they when he first announces himself as Superman's brother, I was like, oh, I don't know if I like this. Like, I oh, I, I, oh, I was down with that. Yeah, I was down with that. I was like, I was a like, new character. All right, like it's not Zod. Like I was like so happy it wasn't Zod when he said he. I was like, oh, thank God, because when when they showed him in the suit, I'm like, is he General Zod again? Like, and when they it was a new character, I was like, oh, yes, all right, all right, new character. Yes. And you know, the other thing about that, that I think was an interesting choice, like, yes, it created some variety. They still got Zod in there, right? Zod was the, the consciousness that was trying to take over Superman, but it's like, all right, I could live with that. It was a little different. Um, but no, I like, I, so again, initially I was like, oh, I don't know if I like this idea of the brother, but I think it, it, it really works because look, we know Clark is not going to turn on earth, but mm-hmm. it's like, I don't know if there were anything that might even make him think about it it might be actual family from Krypton, right? So I yeah. think that added an interesting angle. And then, you know, I feel like Morgan Edge, or Talro, like does, does kind of become a bit of a tragic figure, especially when you see his tutelage under his slug of a father yeah. and that whole, that whole sequence. Yeah. I, I also loved how like teenage version of him was like, like he was like really into the cure. Like yeah. I that was like, like a, such a cool, no, I like genuinely, like, I thought that was like a cool take because he would have been in the eighties, you know? And it's like, yeah, he totally would have looked like that in the eighties, you know? Yeah. It was cool. But, you know, like there's that scene in particular where, you know, uh, Tal goes to his father. He's like, like, I have a, like, I have a brother. Like he's here. He's, he's become a hero. Like the people have embraced him. Like he could be my family here. And, you know, he's quickly disabused of his, of that notion by his father. But it's like, had he made his own choice in that moment, or if he had not been directed the way he was, it's like, well, his path might have been very different and they could have had that family. And, you know, when we get to that final moment between the two of them in the finale where, um, you know, Tal is like, I just wanted to be like, I, I just wanted us, I just wanted a family or something like that. Or I just wanted us to be brothers. And it's like, we we were like, you could have had that. It, you know, it's the, the tragedy of the character. So I, yeah, I think some of the trappings of it were a little, uh, you know, maybe could have been a little stronger. And I agreed a bit derivative, this whole idea of like, you know, uh, bringing Kryptonians back, um, but I, I think ultimately it worked better than I, th- and I, I don't know, I, I, I thought it would, you know, when they first made this reveal yeah. about Morgan edge. So I, and like you said, a new character, like this is at least somewhat of a new, even if the, his, his plot, his, his yeah. plan was, uh, was familiar. It's like, at least it was a, a kind of a new spin on it. Yeah. yeah. The, uh, speaking of their dads, what did you think about Jor-El? Cause like, I think that was like the biggest misfire of the whole thing. Well, which this, this leads me to another question that I want to ask you, which is kind of like a bigger picture for all the Superman media. And Laura and I were talking about this watching is like, why is Jor-El always so like fucking old in these things? Like, shouldn't he be like, shouldn't he look like Superman? Like, shouldn't he be like the same age as Superman? Like they always make him like in his sixties, but like he should be like, really young no like shouldn't he be like 25 to 30 because like when he sends kal-el off he's a baby like like shouldn't he be like in the like in the same age bracket as clark like not like he shouldn't look like his dad now he should look like his dad like when he was a baby (laughs) like i mean that's you know i think the i think the iteration that came closest to that was superman the animated series yeah exactly exactly yeah yeah, exactly. So I guess Bruce Tim probably had a similar thought. He's probably like, yeah, like, why is he so always yeah. so old? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think just more to, I, I, I guess to sort of have that more traditional 
father-son dynamic where there is that age difference. But I, I mean, I do think that is a bit of a cheat. I mean, there, I mean, I guess, well, I mean, I don't know if you want to get technical. I mean, look, men in particular, right, have a longer period of time where they could potentially have, have a biological child. So it's like, it's possible. Also, yeah. when you're dealing with Krypton, especially in these versions of the story where it's not a physical conception and birth, right? But it's all artificial. It's like, well, that could potentially happen at any point. And like, I don't know, there are ways you can explain it, but I think ultimately it's to preserve that dynamic when he's having these discussions with the hologram or the voice yeah. or the floating head, like whatever it is. But I, I but think I your think point that, is good. It would, be, <laughs> it would be a cool twist because like to have like a version of the Superman where like his dad that he's talking to is like younger than him. Yeah. Right. Especially for this show, because he's the son of like teenagers now. Right. And like Jor-El was the father of an infant. So like that would be that. They sh I feel like they should have done something like that. That would have been like a cool twist on it. You know, we're like, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's really apparent in the movie, in the Superman, the movie where like Brando <laughs> is like 70 or something. He's got like shock white hair and this and, and Lara is like 25. <laughs> like It's so funny, but. I mean, I feel like, I mean, I mean, you know, Russell Crowe and Man of Steel, they didn't make, you know, they didn't make him look so old. No, I mean, no, no, was... no. Yeah, yeah, he was, that, that was like more believable for sure. Yeah, they were. But, but yeah, yeah, but the guy in the show though is like not, I, again, I don't want to like, I don't know how to say Well, that. I'll say he's it. Not, <laughs> he's, he's not how I, he's not how I picture Jor-El. Like, let's put that. Even like his mannerisms, like how he acted, he seemed like really mean and angry and like not very like fatherly, you know? All right. Interesting you say that. So, I mean, yes, I don't, I don't feel like he had, I don't know. How do I put this? Like he, I didn't feel like he really had the gravitas of, of Jor-El, which mm -hmm. I, I would have been okay to not have that if there was more of the warmth and really like that paternal energy. And I wasn't totally mm -hmm. getting that from him. So I think this might have been a little bit of a miscast. Um, and, and also, too, it's like, like in fact, you know, I kind of feel bad to like dump on this actor. It's like we've had Marlon Brando, Russell Crowe. It's like the <laughs> greatest actors. And then no. it's like it's, you know, it, it's kind of tough to be compared. But like, you know, when we get to the finale, and this was one of the other one of the other scenes that made me uh, uh, tear up a little bit when they have the burial for the Jor-El crystal out in the field. And, you know, Clark has this speech and sort of my, my, my somewhat of a criticism is that you know I, it, from what we saw i don't know that this totally tracks but i'll go with it and what moved me is when you know clark talks about how like you know he like jorrell taught me so much and about my powers and where i come from but like the most important thing he did for me was he was just my dad um and that was i thought that was very powerful again from based on what we saw it's like eh, all right i'll take your word for it i don't know that i really felt yeah. that but uh, I, I did like the sentiment behind it and, and the fact that the family, you know, was, was there for him in that moment. I thought that was cool. Okay, so fun <laughs> fact about that actor who plays Jor-El. I looked him up because there's something familiar about him, okay? And I don't know who's going to – who, if anybody else listening to this, is going to, like, find this interesting. Do you remember a, a movie called Warriors of Virtue? No, I can't They're say like that They were, like, kangaroos. Okay, so it was like it was a ninety mid nineties like movie that was like obviously a riff on Ninja Turtles. It was like this kid gets finds this magic book and he gets sucked into this like fantasy world that's like a very medieval kind of world, and like these giant humanoid kangaroos like 
protect the world and it's like guys in suits and they're doing like karate and like it looks it look i loved it as a kid it was it like and they were all based on the element like one kangaroo had the fire whip one had like a water sword like all that right the guy who played Jor-El was the villain of this movie and he played like this like psychopath like samurai that like fought these like kangaroos and like i look i'm like and like it was just like a like I hadn't seen this movie since I was in fifth grade, and I was like looking. I'm like, where's this guy from? And I looked at him, and I was like, oh my god, it's the bad guy from Warriors of Virtue. If anybody remembers this movie, leave it in the comments on Instagram and tag me because like that movie was great. At least from what I remembered as a kid. I mean, I don't know how well it holds up. Probably not that great, but it, you know, on a rewatch. But yeah, I'm surprised you didn't know it because it, it was like in that vein of like power. It was live. It was all live action, so it was like in that vein of like Ninja Turtles and Power Rangers. I'm surprised yeah 90s fellow 90s kid i know i dropped the ball i'll have to look it up after um but yeah no that uh, it doesn't ring any bells I'll, I'll have to check that out yeah i don't know what uh what haven't we gotten to about superman and lois that you wanted to talk about okay um uh, i mean the, the his kids we, we didn't mention his kids well i think again potential to be really annoying and really bad but they're both excellent like both their storylines you felt for them you they were relatable like you know what i mean like I, like made me think think back to when i was in high school like they, they played it so like earnestly like they didn't go for like the big over the top like cw drama kind of like version of high school they went for like a very like i mean from my experience something that felt very real you know yeah i i thought the the actors and the way they were written i were really really great um you know it's funny because you watch the show and you know, I think for myself, at least, and probably a lot of people, you know, you're waiting kind of for the other shoe to drop, i.e. you're waiting for John's powers to kick in at some point, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that's a card they have to play at any point in the series, and I wouldn't be surprised if and when that happens. But at the same time, I so, I really like this dynamic. He doesn't. And yeah, I and do too. Like, I just, I love how resourceful he is. And you know what? I, I I don't know. I might have to bump Kyle Cushing because I really feel like like John Kent was was really maybe MVP number two. I might have to bump Kyle Cushing down because like John yeah. has all these moments um, throughout where again he doesn't have the power but he's got the heart. This kid's all heart, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah. Honestly, man, like he stands up to Sam Lane, calls him a coward. <laughs> yeah. uh, but even even that though right sam lane has his own journey in that very episode you know lois tells him off john tells him off but then he sticks around and he saves them from the the possessed uh townspeople yeah. who come to the farm um so 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 props to oh i have one more thing to say about sam i'll circle back to but yeah i do too i do too i've got more to say about him too, okay so. cool 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 uh but so you know he has this moment with with him like we talked about he you know uh, makes this this plea to to john henry irons you know he's the one even though jordan has the powers you know he's the one who motivates and inspires and encourages jordan to try to use his super hearing uh to find mm -hmm. clark when 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 he's been taken um so just i don't know he's got all of the and again the bond he forms with lois um and like even though he resents being in smallville and the fact that so much of what their family is about at the moment revolves around Jordan, like mm -hmm. he's so he's there for his brother. And there are so many moments, especially when uh, Jordan is like first starting to develop this relationship with Sarah. We're like Jordan, like John's always, always yeah. kind of like being that way yeah, and kind of encouraging. It's him. not like they're it's not like they're fighting over her. You right. know what I mean? Which they easily could have done that too. You know what I mean? They could have played that card and like they didn't. And like I like they made him like. A good brother and like later on in the show when 
that he gets that that love interest the the girl who's like the popular girl in school that like like she's like like she's always like saying hi to him in the hallways and stuff and he's like he's like all right yeah i think she's into me and he gets this like conference to go over and like talk to her and he's like hey do you want to like hang out sometime and she's like no and he and he's like and you just see him like deflate and it's like oh my god i've been there like i feel like that's so relatable like you know like yeah, no, a hundred percent. And and again, like the fact that they cast kids, like it really, it really feels, you know, true to life uh, in 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 all of these ways. Um, yeah, so I I really dug all of that stuff. And you know, Jordan too, like Jordan's you know journey through his anxiety to developing the powers. To um, I know we haven't talked a lot about the or at all about you know the fact that Lois and Clark had kept the secret from the kids. You know, I covered that when we talked about the pilot. So. Um, I figured we could save a little time on that, but, you know, I mean, that's really our launching pad here and, and, you know, you get to see, you know, this relationship, um, you know, really, really develop. And I did a whole episode of this podcast about how I was so inspired by the scene in the pilot where Clark is talking to Jordan on the front porch about how, um, you know, Pa Kent, you know, uh, didn't always know what he was doing, but he was, he was there and that was enough and that in part inspired me to get a different job in my own life. So like there's a lot about the show that resonated and I, I, I don't want to end this episode without saying this, that um, tying a lot of this together, you're talking about Morgan edge, that whole, that whole piece when Clark surrenders to Morgan edge, right? Because he depleted his powers, creating a solar flare to charge up the eradicator. Right. And he's, he doesn't have enough power to fight edge. Um, and he really, and at that moment, he 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 surrenders, he submits. Like, again, those talk about those moving moments. It's like, yeah, he would do that. Like, he would for his family. And I feel like I've said this in other episodes, but this is the most appropriate time for it. You didn't? Did you watch any of Supergirl? Or not really? Not really? No, I didn't. No, I didn't see any of it. No. All right, I, th- I think I saw the first episode. Okay, I'm going to spoil a little bit of season two for you. But uh, in season okay, two, Monel is Kara's love interest for a lot of the season. And long story short, at the end of the season, she basically has to make a choice and she chooses to send Monel away in order to save Earth. That's the short version of it. And Tyler Hecklin's Clark is in that episode and he says, Kara is so much stronger than I am. Like, I, I would not have been able to choose p- the people of Earth over Lois. And I remember, this was a few years ago now, but I remember saying to myself, like, okay, like, maybe that makes Kara stronger or more heroic, depending on your perspective, but it doesn't, it's more interesting to me, like, Clark is more interesting to me because he wouldn't, he wouldn't sacrifice these people for anything. Like, that's, and this is where I think now as a husband, as a father, like, I get this and it's like a hard line in the sand for me where it's like no there's a lot that i would sacrifice you know but like that's a hard line like when it comes to them and that's the same line that he has and i i really like that yeah that's well uh well spoken that's that's a good superman moment for sure and it's a relatable one too like you're saying like yeah yeah Uh, what about sam what did you want to say about sam lane oh I thought they did him very well. Like, I think that the fact that he was not like a Thunderbolt Ross type that was like an actual antagonist, that he was someone who was on the team and he felt like a legitimate grandfather, like a good grandfather, like to the kids, you know, and like everything that, and the whole, the whole tension with him having kryptonite weapons, I didn't really get because like, 
Superman gives Batman kryptonite weapons in case he goes bad. So like, shouldn't, shouldn't Superman be like, yeah, you should have this shit. Like to, in case I go like for this exact scenario, you know what I mean? Like, so like, I thought everything that Sam did in the show that was shown was justified and like kind of the right thing to do because like he did need to protect, like it, it was shown that like, if Superman does go back, like, it, like there was never a moment where like he was trying to like, harness superman's powers for himself or like manipulate superman for the government like that was not that wasn't shown at all it was literally him just being like yeah i'm watching over the planet and i'm gonna be superman's like point man to tell him where to go and i'm gonna be a good try my best to be the best grandfather i can you know and he had a lot of good moments like that where he was like saving the kids and stuff you know yeah yeah that was one of the things that i was that I found so refreshing about this because again, in most incarnations there, there is a lot of antagonism there um, from Sam towards Superman. And, you know, like right off the bat in the pilot, you see that they're allies and there's respect there and they don't always see eye to eye, but they are generally speaking on the same page. And I was like, Oh, like that. I really like this, this take on it. And, but like, it also makes sense. I mean, I guess it, it particularly makes sense when we're dealing with a, um, a Sam Lane who knows who Clark is, right? And because now it's like, well, this is also my family. As much as I have this responsibility mm-hmm. to the world, this is my family. So it all tracked. Uh, and it, we, we've, we've, you know, we keep coming at this. It's like, I feel like every instance where you would expect the show to go a certain way and where I think most shows and most cw shows would this show you know kind kind of carves a new path so like like you said he is a great you you believe him as as their grandpa and i think it's even in that Mm -hmm. first episode where he's saying to superman you know maybe i'll take the boys out fishing and i I feel like it would have been predictable and stereotypical if he really favored jonathan right the athletic Mm -hmm. outgoing one and was kind of like didn't invite Jordan and Clark was like, well, what if Mm -hmm. Jordan comes to, but that wasn't it. Like he specifically makes a point of saying like, maybe we can even get Jordan to come little. These are like tiny moments, but I think they really, really work. Yeah. I feel like historically Sam doesn't want Lois to be with Superman because he thinks Superman's a threat. And in this it was, he didn't want Lois to be with Superman because he knew that if Superman married Lois, he'd have less time to save the planet. (laughs) And like, I thought that was such an interesting take that it was like, no, he's like not against Superman. He's so pro Superman that he doesn't want his daughter distracting Superman from doing like his Superman duties, which like I thought was and I was waiting for the whole show for to, for him to have like that villain turn where like the president's like we have a we have them collared or whatever. You know what I mean? Like I was waiting for that like the moment and then it never came. I'm so happy it didn't and I hope they don't ever do that. I mean, you know, how many seasons this goes, I'm sure that probably will happen at some point. But like for now so far, he's a good dude. So, you know. I'm liking it as it is. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I I really really like uh I really like their take on him. And you know, he re- he retires at the end of uh of season 1, so we'll see. Oh yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah, you're right. He retired. Yeah, so we'll see where they go. I mean, you know, it's funny, right? Obviously, the show begins with Clark losing his job at the Daily Planet and you know, that along with Martha's oh. passing precipitates, you know, the move to the, the farm. But we you know we don't see a lot of Clark farming. Um, I, I hope I hope we get to see a little bit more of that yeah. in season. I want to see him running the farm. Well, well I want to know how they have money because that was another thing I kept bringing up was that Lois is not doesn't have a job Daily Planet and she's working at a place that can't afford to pay her, and Clark is working at the football team, which he says will work for free. So 
where is their money coming from to like pay like like the food bills, electricity bills, and stuff? That was one big question. I was like, where is this coming from? Like, <laughs> I know. Well, you know, it's like I know that is a good question, but they make this point of saying that Lois is one of the world's most famous journalists. So presumably, I don't know whether it's I don't know. I feel like she they, she's yeah, but, done very but, well, and maybe they have enough saved. But, or, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I guess I was gonna say they also make the point that the the lady she's working for is like I can't afford to pay you, and she's like it doesn't matter, I'll work for free, and it's like mm, this is like the most fantastical thing in this whole show is that <laughs> neither of them have a job that gives them money, like you know. Yes, there. Yeah. Uh, so we're we're almost at two hours, so I think we should we should oh, okay. wind down. But there's one big picture question that I wanted to ask you because it, it crossed my mind. I think probably during my initial watch and the rewatch, you know, Lana makes. A couple of comments about how weird things used to happen in Smallville and they haven't happened in a long time, right? And this is, I think, again, one of those great examples where we can use the Smallville TV show to fill in the gaps, right, of what, what you mm-hmm. might be talking about. You know, and this is, this is a big question and maybe the answer is just like it depends on which story we're talking about. But you look at Superman the movie, and we only spend you know, like ten or fifteen minutes in Smallville, but it it's presented as this really like idyllic, calm, quiet place, like this quiet place where Clark grows up and learns good values. You watch the Smallville TV show, and it's meteor freaks and invasions and all sorts of stuff, and it's this gauntlet that Clark has yeah. to go through, right? <laughs> and yeah. you kind of get the sense. I mean, not so much from the flashbacks, really. You know, we see Clark put on a ski mask and stop a robbery, but, you know, but from what Lana's saying, it's like maybe some of the stuff that Tom Welling's Clark dealt with was also, man, who knows? Yeah. Like, do you have a version that you prefer? Like when you, when you think big picture about the Superman story and the origin, it's like, should Smallville be this, this, the period before the quiet, the calm where he's just learning good values, or should it be more of this gauntlet that's like really training him to become Superman? (laughs) I think reality-wise, it would be the calm thing where he's, like, maybe stopping, like, like I mean, are there even, like, bank robbers anymore? Like, I don't even think there are bank robbers. You know what I mean? Like, everything's digital now. Like, it would make, if someone tried to rob a bank, it'd be like, what? Like, so, like, we have 10 bucks here, like, you know? Um, but I think that's the reality of it, of, like, if Superman was real, it would be this very quiet, calm, idyllic place. But for purposes of, like, exciting stories i like it to be like the gauntlet that like every week he's dealing with like this guy turns into a lizard this guy's like an invisible this guy you know what i mean like like, i like that version of it i like i like the idea of the smallville the smallville take right on you know we've covered a lot i know we haven't hit on every single nuance or storyline or character but we've covered a lot is there anything that you wanted to say uh before we before we sign off here Show's really good, and if you haven't seen it yet and you like Superman, you should definitely check it out. Like, it's very, very good. Yes, for sure. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll peel back the curtain for a moment. You know, this is going to be the sixth episode of 2022 that Digging for Kryptonite listeners hear, but it's actually the first one that I'm recording, and this is the first one that I've recorded in in like over a month. I had a long, a relatively long uh, break from recording, and I missed it. You would think, you know, you would think after doing all those episodes, you know, that I, I would be happy to have a break, but I honestly missed it. And I was really looking forward to this and I had a lot of, I mean, this was really a lot of fun. So I thank you very, very much. 
Oh, thank you, dude. Uh, me too. I had a really, really, uh, we were talking earlier, but I had like this week for me was like super busy and stressful. And I was looking forward so much to like getting on the podcast tonight and talking about this because it's nice, uh, a fun break for sure. So um, happy 2022, everyone back from 2021. <laughs> That's right. And where can people follow you or, or maybe even get some art from you if they're interested? Yeah, uh, so you can follow me at VKenMarion on Instagram and at VKMarion on Twitter. And um, I'm currently working on Death Shroud right now, which is a super cool comic book that's going to be coming up. We don't have release info yet because we're, I don't, I'm not privy to say the release info yet. Um, we want to get the first five issues banked first, but I've been le- putting out little teasers on my socials. So if you want to see art from the hot new comic book property coming up soon, uh, go to my social media feeds, check that out and for follow for release info when we're ready for that. And, um, and yeah, if you people want to get a commission from me or buy some original art, you can talk to my art rep, uh, Josh Raybuck and he's, um, of modern mythology, comic art.com. And, uh, there's links in my bios for my socials to get there and, or you could just Google it and, uh, yeah, uh, reach out and check out what's available. And yeah. Folks, check out V. Ken Marion. Ken, thank you so much. Uh, I look forward to the next time we have you back on the show, which actually won't be too long from now. So we'll be doing this again before you know it. Uh, Sounds good. So thank you again to Ken. Thank you to the audience. We'll be back in one week with our next all-new episode. Until then, remember, it's about what you do. It's about action. One action I hope you will take is to consider joining my Patreon community. My exclusive Lois and Clark The New Adventures of Superman rewatch podcast is available now at the $1 level. Many more rewards are available too, including a robust back catalog of bonus podcasts. All pledges come with a money-back guarantee. Thank you to all patrons for enabling me to produce this show.